Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everyone, welcome back to Remap Sports and Sports Adjacent Podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen can't also be really unhealthily and depressingly interested in what nerds respond to the kind of, I can't, Rob, I can't get through the intro. Ask the question, Patrick. Go on. Ask it. <laughs> Rob, let's start off. I start off every episode with a question. Are the are the Bears back? Are they back, Rob? Patrick, the 2022 Chicago Bears, also the 2017 Chicago Bears, they're all back, baby. I mean, they. it depends, I suppose, on your definition of back, right? Like, back could mean many things. Returning like, to the slime. <laughs> the primordial ooze. <laughs> could mean they're on the TV again. Oh, they're back. Oh. Oh, they're back. Oh, th- those those ones. My children are now old enough to ask, are, are they winning, son? And like, it's just <laughs> the most depressing thing. Like, I have this bit where... I, I pick up my kids and like run them around when a touchdown occurs. And, and and my my oldest has asked this before, but now my youngest asked it. It's like, Dad, why haven't why haven't you run me around yet? It's like, you know, because they haven't scored. Could you do it anyway? This is sure, you kid. Adopt a team, bro. Sure, kid. You've got to adopt a team. <laughs> you know what? Hey, every time someone scores a touchdown on the Red Zone channel, you get run around. Yay! Just be Rob Lowe with the <laughs> NFL hat. Oh my god, I can't. I can't. I can't go that far. But you're not wrong. Um, Rob, it's bad out here. I don't... The first... So, uh, this these podcasts are coming... Yeah. Yeah, so for people, like, because not everyone follows football religiously, like, a lot of people have have gleaned from context that we are two long-suffering Bears fans, and the Bears are synonymous, whatever your sport of choice is, they are synonymous, imagine the most long-suffering, benighted franchise of any sport you follow, and the Bears are basically that archetype of team, but we haven't done this since the football season started, Patrick, Mm -hmm. so let's just... Real quickly, give people a little precis of what expectations versus reality. Well, expectations. So this is a team that went three and 13? 13. Wait. It's a 17-game season now, right? Yeah, but why, why, why is three and 13 stuck in my head? 
Either way, it was like they they were they ended up being the worst team in football. Uh, I don't know that they were actually the worst team in football, but like it's just they were they were extremely bad. Uh, But they were were, trying to lose. They were trying to lose. um, And it just kind of like the luck of the ball bouncing and the, the, the Texans pulling off an improbable win allow them to have the first round. Uh, for the the top of the pick in the draft this year, and because they were purposely losing last year, it actually made the season kind of fun. Because week six on, when the Chicago Bears had what they call a mini buy, which is where you play on the dreaded Thursday night football, but then you don't play on Sun, you don't play till the next Sunday, which means you get kind of ten weeks. And the the NFL probably should have two actual buys in it, given that it's now a seventeen game season that is. In some ways, safer than ever, but also more violent than ever because the players are much bigger and more athletic than they've ever been. But the Bears unlocked like the best version of Justin Fields, their quarterback that they drafted a couple of seasons ago under a different uh, regime that was running the team. Yeah, in which he was running. He was passing all right, uh, given the pass catchers, the wide receivers, the, the, the talent that was around him. There's a Patriots game last year that is the highlight of the, honestly the last couple of years it's the of last watching. Time they won. It's the last time they won. They have they have been on a 13 game losing streak, 12 game losing streak uh, ever since. They're in historic territory here now, um, and they trade away the first round draft pick because hey, how can we know if Justin Fields is any good? He was surrounded by garbage, uh, and his first year was under a different set of coaches and management, and they clearly didn't understand his talents. Okay. They go get DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers, who is not a top five receiver, but is probably top 10 or like high teens. And so like, he's good. He's what you need to give to a quarterback to give him options to be getting open reliably. They call it a like kind of a security blanket sort of thing. Like, hey, everything else goes wrong. You throw it to DJ Moore. They go and hire, they do the most bearsy thing possible just to pay a shitload of money for two linebackers. Um, the idea being that is sort of like part of the spine of the certain defense that Matt Eberflus are increasingly potentially Nathaniel Hackett-esque coach. I don't – I'm already there, Rob. Those, um, those are the names I'm invoking. Uh, they, but they spend a bunch of money on defense. Um, they revamp their offensive line, which kind of gets in shambles by the time week one rolls around Tevin Jenkins. Complicated guard. Players jumped around different parts of the offensive line. Gets injured. Has a crown. Anyway. The idea was not that they were going to be even a playoff team. This was a, the aspirations of this team this year was last year they win three games, but they had something like five or six games. They lost by one score. And so many times there were highlights where Justin Fields threw the ball where it needed to be and everyone else around him failed him. And so like very reasonable to imagine with more talent on both sides of the ball, another year in the same system. Uh, a, a true wide receiver one that can be that security blanket. Could this team not do much, but could they be in the in the hunt graphic towards the end of the year? Like, ooh, if they, a couple bounces go their way, they win a couple of games, they're going to be in that graphic on Sunday night football, even if they don't make it to the playoffs. And Rob, you didn't watch that first game. You were you were spared. You were spared going up against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is gone. The pain has left us. The torment of the last, the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers of 20 plus years of Hall of Fame level quarterback play that made us feel distressed and upset 
for as long as I can consciously remember rooting for the Bears, he's gone. We'll get into what happened to the, our man over in, in, in New York soon enough. But Jordan Love, this quarterback they drafted that caused all sorts of controversy with the Packers. It seemed like they were replacing Rodgers. And the Packers get two back-to-back MVP seasons from him. It's like, well, maybe this guy isn't anything. And maybe this is the year where the Bears, for one sh- like shining moment, can show some dominance and maybe reestablish that this is actually a rivalry. And they got their fucking asses kicked, Rob. Like, not, like, just, just decimated. Fields looks terrible. The offense looks out of sync. The defense cannot stop a third down to save their goddamn life. And I've tried so hard once I've had children to not let this stuff get to me. Because the worst thing that you can do, especially when you got to be a parent, is let a goddamn football game put you in a sour mood for the rest of the day. And I had to give myself a pep talk, like, after this game. Like, you, I could feel it. I could feel myself drowning because what I was realizing, and then I'm going to put it over to you here, is we're just doing it again. Like, we're just back where we started, which is I'm now prepared two games in, this team is done, these coaches are done, this QB is either cooked or we cooked him. I don't know. And and it's there are 15 more weeks of this. I don't know what to do, Rob. I'm in a bad place. So the funny thing is, because I have been a Bears fan longer than you have, like because I came to football early and you came to it a little bit later. Yes. You're a more devoted Bears fan than I am. Uh, but I have a longer history. I have a longer history with this team, which is maybe why I'm slightly less invested in it. But something weird happened to me on Sunday, which is I was listening to the Athletic post game podcast, the Quick Reactions podcast to the Bears, and it's just forty minutes of two B reporters <laughs> just being like, "This team sucks. I hate these people." I just it's great. But the thing is, I realized I was listening to it that my mood was just soaring. I was cleaning the kitchen. I was listening to them take off and I was starting to like doing the thing where I'm talking to the podcast where like, I'm like, no, but they don't No, It's not going to work because he's not going to. It's great. And it, it, it dawned on me that in a weird way, this is now my bears happy place because the, because the thing about it is that where I get the most frustrated with discourse around the bears and bears fandom is where there is a disconnect where some people are still bought in on something that's clearly not working. And you've got people who are like trying to convince themselves that like, there's still, there's still, still juice left in this lemon, right? There's still something left to squeeze out of this, this current program. But my happy place is when we all realize collectively <laughs> that the emperor has no clothes, that none of the people who are going up there on the, you know, on the podium after the games, none of these people are qualified to diagnose the bears. None of them are di- qualified to fix the bears because they they did this. They they created this mess. Uh, and at this point, the only thing to do is start, you know, questioning, like, how do we get out of this this ditch we're in? And can we even given the structure of the bears and who who owns the team? But this is such a this is this is the part where the bears are so bad it starts to get fun for me because it's like there's nothing there's like there's nothing anyone can point to to be like well actually you know if we just 
it's not the, it's not like the the middle of the pay, uh the pace Nagy era where it was like, well, you know, they just maybe do, do a few different things and a little more talent. They, 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 Trubisky's the wrong guy. Give him a little more. Give him uh, a little Nick more. Nick Foles, runway. that guy. Like you'll just run this. You need a system QB. You just need a guy to follow the instructions. And and then you know Nick Foles comes in. Remember he comes in. Trubisky gets benched, I believe. Comes in against the Falcons and throws like a three touchdown. Yep. Comeback and it was like Foles oh. mania. Wow, like this is it. This actually truly was. But that is where. It's because of that mirage, that one season where we saw the team flirt with like week to week competence, where you would you went in thinking, actually, not only do we have a chance, I think we're going to win. I believe and comfortably. That the, that I believe that is the only winning season they've had since they fired Lovey Smith. <laughs> Which is the other thing I, I go back to this. I w- I got tired and fed up of Lovey Smith also because it was so clear that the, the team had a ceiling. Yeah. The the offense was not developing, uh, that they were going to be a overachieving team in a lot of ways, but a, a fairly easy playoff knockout for most teams. Uh, like, I understood and kind of supported that it was it was time to move on from Lovey. By the end, he kind of lost the team. Uh, you know, it was just a, it was a lot of veterans who kind of weren't responding to him. But in retrospect, the Lovey Smith era, by and large, the Bears were watchable. They were kind of, they were they were, they were by and large a team that was like not going to ruin your Sunday. And kind of struck me as a different in personality, but a like Mike Vrabel over at the Titans, right? Where it's like, yep, you'll whatever you give him, like now again, the offense was always so leaky and bad, and and that was ultimately what what. Uh, Lovey's downfall was in terms of being a, a head coach for the Bears. He might he might still be the head coach of the Bears yep. if he had figured out just a mile. If, he, if he'd had the stability of the QB position that Tomlin has had, uh, you know, where that guy like I was watching the Steelers last night because that's that guy's been on that sideline forever. Yeah. And the Steelers are rarely a Super Bowl contender. But they're pretty much always watchable. There's always something where you're like, this team can get some wins. And and when they don't win, they're not unwatchable. They're not they're not like just spinning their wheels in the mud. You can see coaching. You can yeah. see like, it is one of the you maybe don't see it as the average viewer, but you you watch it enough and you start to notice there are coaches that you can see it on the field where like their instruction, their leadership, their like is is present. Like the Titans are like this, where it's just like. Yeah, they're going to bottom out this season. No, they're not. Like maybe they should because you. Know, how else do you get a quarterback? You know, in this like you know Dude. Uh, environment. But like the Titans are going to win seven, eight, nine games and then pick you know middle of the draft, and like that's what the Steelers are going to do as well. So and and this is this is the the weird thing about where we find ourselves. Uh, God, there's there's so many layers to this, but just in terms of in these first two weeks. There have been so many plays from Justin Fields where, like, he is so slow to make a decision. He looks he looks terrible back there. He looks lost. The, the the Bucks game was excruciating to the degree where you were watching. There's a moment that happens in a lot of football games where a uh, a quarterback, like the 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 offensive line, holds up for what is like five, six, seven seconds, and that almost always results in a broken play where the ball gets launched like a moonshot from 45 yards. And somehow those ended up in sacks for Justin Fields. He just stands there scanning around the field looking for God knows what. 
uh, and then and then just takes the sack needlessly. But you know, the the other thing that I would say here, and and the the guys on the athletic podcast, uh, Hogan Johns, they also like, I think it was Johns. His view kind of aligned with a lot of what I see, which is that like when this guy came to us, when he came to the Bears. There were deficiencies there as like, is he ready to be an NFL quarterback? Probably not. Does he have some like innate football abilities that are just like off the charts good? And like, you know, when when the shit hits the fan and he just starts trying to create good things are more likely to happen than bad. He was also that guy. You know, there, there was a degree of, OK, maybe you can't call a, a drop a play that he can reliably execute, but he will go into the kitchen and make and make something tasty most times. That appears to have been coached out of him. Yeah. Like, he, this is now a guy who looks like he is trying to, like, carry out lesson plans back there. It seems like he's trying no to pass connection a connection with his game. He's trying to pass a test. It feels like we're not out there playing a football game and trying to win as much as he was told at the start of the season. You're going to learn to be a pocket passer or you won't be on this team next year. And he's failing that test. And thus the team looks unwatchable so have you listened to that athletic podcast yet yes okay my favorite part because this is the part that i have started like i can't i have not been able to shake it <laughs> so there's a weird like um it's sort of like the pride of lions thing when the when a regime when a regime change happens uh the new general manager wants to be the person who had the who picked their coach and together the gm and the coach want to have picked their quarterback. You know, it's the, the the pieces need to be aligned. The Chicago Bears are a badly mismanaged organization. And it's debatable to what degree polls even really wanted uh, the head coach, uh, Matt Eberflus, because there was a search committee that happened before polls even got in the door, basically, that like put him to the top of the list. And polls did pick him. But to what degree was it? You know, here, the, here are your three menu options. Yeah, choose, choose from here. Some one of the, the the best coaches of the last two years is Mike McDaniel's in uh, Miami. He was not part of McDaniel. the and these, McDaniel and these and these and these coaching searches are almost always it's a uh, it's Polian, right? Like it's the it's these groups that like go out and just get football guys. Here's some football guys, uh, and it results in a lot of these stoic. Like, man, he's a he's a he's a defensive guy, right? Like, whereas like Is the he? entire league, <laughs> well, dude, but I, so I, I, that's I, his route. He was a coordinator. It for people who are not as you know, there's no reason for you to know this. But when Iberflus comes in, his big thing is I'm going to establish a culture, and the culture I'm going to establish is based on a catchphrase. And when you start there. You're in a bad place. It was the first. Yeah, it's called. Give, the no, hits. no, no. Tell the people about the catchphrase. It's the hits principle. I don't even know what it stands Ooh, for. We do hits in football. Hits. What's hits stand for? I don't know. Um, I'm going to. It's it's, it's like I think it's high intensity. Hustle. No. Integrity. Hustle, inte the ball. Smart. The ball. The ball. <laughs> so really it's Hibs. And the thing about. Something like that is what you have done for yourself is you've set a standard, right? It's one thing to say we're going to play hard, like we're going to play fast. 
when you come in with a goofy acronym, you're also setting a measuring stick for yourself. Now, uh, and w- watching the Bears play defense these last two games, they are not hustling. They're not showing integrity. They're not near the ball. And I'm not sure they're smart either. And so you set yourself up to be a laughing stock when you say this is the kind of culture we're establishing. And it's easy to say there isn't buy-in in a first year when you're tanking on purpose or the kind of players that are going to buy in easy are bottom of the barrel players that just need a roster stop. But when you get to year two, when you're paying for expensive veterans, free agents, I don't know if those motherfuckers are buying into hits as much as they just want to be on a good team that's well coached. Like the hits principle doesn't mean jack to them. And what you're finding here is whether it's hits or it's the coaching or everything, like they're not, they're not playing good defense. It's pathetic. Well, so going back though to the to the 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 trend the tri- the, the trio of positions, uh, GM, coach, and, and quarterback. So the thing they get to in the athletic podcast, and John starts talking about this because he, he he gets a, it's so conspiratorial. You can tell as a beat reporter, he's uncomfortable voicing this because he's, it's so but, weird. But he's brought it up multiple times. I listen to this podcast religiously. It's a great podcast. If you unfortunately are a Bears fan, but like. Johns has brought Adam Johns. It's Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. It's White Hogue Johns. Um, He has brought this up. I've been listening to this podcast for like six years. Like it is the thing that Johns like hits every single time this comes up. You can explain the cycle. Well, no, but I'm not talking about the cycle. I'm talking about specifically. He was like when he was watching this game. He's like, I know that Paul's and and Eberflus Eberflus like they say all the right things about Justin Fields. They, they love his talent. They love his ability. They see potential in him. They believe in him. Uh, they are setting him up to succeed. But none of them picked him for this job. Yeah. And uh, just all the guys in those positions, they want the guy they pick. They want their quarterback. They want to draft a quarterback. None of them drafted him. He is somebody else's guy. And you look at the way things are going. And the thing that John's brought up, like the plays they're calling, the schemes they're drawing up for him, and the way they appear to have just like nailed his feet to the ground in the pocket and said, like, create, but don't move. Do they really want him to succeed or are they trying to create plausibility for why it's not their fault that Justin Fields was a bust? But the problem is, and this is what has gotten me in such a, a sour mood. I'm I'm used to, is they're not just bad; they're a laughing stock. Like it is not like you now have, like you know, you you and I follow a lot of the same folks like on social, like Mina Kimes of the Worlds and stuff like that. Like extremely good, like analysts, like talkers of the game, and they're just like. Like ooh, all twenty, all twenty-two is like uh, a form of 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 camera footage that comes out after the slate of NFL games, where you can see the entire play develop. It's coaches as opposed film. To, it's coaches film, and you can just—it's just like red meat, like out here salivating to to just see how poor the plan is for the offensive infrastructure, and that's where I I I agree that what they've done is probably tried to create a test. For Fields, and also given the fact that he has spoken openly about wanting to succeed as a pocket passer, he may be complicit in trying to 
suppress his best habits to show like, no, I can do this. I am not, as the criticism was on on him coming out of Ohio State, like a glorified running back, which itself was a kind of criticism that was leveled against like a Lamar Jackson. And frequently a criticism is leveled against a lot of black quarterbacks if we're like getting a little more broader about it. Um, and it's not that they're just bad. Like it's Im- it's embarrassing. And Rob, we are on so many nationally televised games because what happens, the way that the schedule is coordinated for like games on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football is often a projection of like, where did you end up last year? And it's like, yeah, the Bears only won three games, but holy shit, Justin Fields, when he runs, it's one of the most electric things you'll see in football. So they're probably going to go like win like eight games next year and they'll be fun to watch even if they don't make the playoffs or go very far. Rob. We're now like one of the top three teams projected to potentially go zero and 17 this season. Like, like we play the Kansas City Chiefs next week. Like, I can't find a win on the schedule when I'm looking through like the first eight games. It is bleak. My, like, and that's, that's where it gets like, it's not fun for me. It's, I can get into where you're talking about where it's like, of course, like misery loves company. Let's just embrace the shit. Like, it's so much less fun when it's like Sunday night football. And the court, like the, the the commentators, don't have anything else to talk about in the second quarter because the game is over. <laughs> yep, and nothing interesting is happening with your team. Uh, like, yeah, it's this is a tough team to watch, and I think they're they're interesting in more of the uh, like I was more entertained by watching this YouTube channel, the QB School. I was more entertained by that than I was by their game because this is a guy who. He was in a he was in a pro quarterback's room. Uh, he was a he was a career backup. Uh, he, he knows he knows like the way plays are constructed. He knows what like quarterbacks are generally asked to do. These are very good game breakdowns. And the funny thing is, so he's there's a bit of him defending his priors because he was very high on fields as a draft pick. He was all in. He is also getting to the point where it's like there are a lot of plays where you can point to that fields is like not NFL grade. Like he is, he's making bad mistakes, but generally this is a guy who only likes to really talk about quarterback play and the connection with receivers, but he was unable to avoid like starting to notice. I don't understand the blocking scheme that is happening Mm -hmm. here. Like I don't like what, what kind of pocket are they trying to create with this play? What is the tight end doing on this play? The thing that really jumped out at me is so when a football play is constructed in general, there's a, the wide receiver one. Well, that's not, it's not necessarily wide receiver one, but there's a primary receiver on each play. There's somebody Mm -hmm. who like, you know, based on once you at the line, this is probably the person you expect to get open. This is your first read. And then there's a second read. And if there's time, there's sort of, there, there might be a third, but like generally you don't have a lot of time to do a lot of reads. Really great quarterbacks can like take in the whole field, but most can't. And you don't have time anymore. Pockets like collapse really fast. So it's what can you suss out before the snap and in the second and half you have to make a decision uh, once the play is live. And the sheer number of times he's looking at the receivers running out there. And he's like, I don't know who the primary receiver is here. I don't know who's expected to get open. Like, what is what is field supposed to be reading here? Because I'm sitting here like watching the all 22 and I don't know. What was the read supposed to be? Who was supposed to be open here? So it's like there are there are a lot of times you can see Fields misses pass. He's slow to process. But also on most plays, 
he it's like finding where's Waldo to figure out like what concept are we executing here? And this is the thing that's not totally visible to me as a football fan because mm-hmm. like the timing windows are so narrow that what is open, what is what is blocked, you can't easily see if you don't if you haven't done this professionally. Like it's really hard to tell. And guys but are like, rarely open open. That's why they, they call them like anticipatory throws, which is you are right. throwing to where a guy will become open. And this was one of the knocks on feels like his processing is a little slow. Can that speed up and can he throw what they call NFL open, which is now it's geological. <laughs> now, like tectonic plates are shifting while he figures out uh, who is there. Receivers are standing dead open in the middle, and that's when he hits them. They still have to like corral the pass. But setting that aside, the thing that is defensible is, you know, you reinforce part of coaching is like, you reinforce the lessons with success, with 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 positive examples. If you're trying to tell someone like you need to make these reads really fast and commit to one of these guys, and then what they're seeing in the play is nothing's open. There's nothing here, and also it's not really. I can't even really tell what the what the good matchup is here. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be that is going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard thing to coach your way out of. And so I think where I'm at is. I feel a lot. Of, I feel really sad for Fields. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this: I'm, I'm that, if I'm that USC quarterback, uh, is Caleb Williams? Is that it? So Caleb Williams, he's the US, USC quarterback. He has been hyped as a, um, oh, what's his face? Who's the the Colts? Um, Andrew Luck. Yeah. Style can't miss. Like transcendent. Uh, a quarterback. He has. I don't know if he said this. Or I believe it might have been his father said this that. Uh, uh, and we haven't really had a player openly discuss this since I think the, the Eli Mannings. Manning. Um, yep. Okay, Eli what Manning, did he say? Because this is what I would have done too. Did he say I'm not? You would never play a snap for the Bears? N- well, no. Um, let me try and find the quote uh, ex- exactly. Um, this is from September seventh. Uh, Caleb Williams to consider staying extra year at USC to dodge quote bad NFL teams. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, uh, Williams' father uh, recently revealed to GQ the family's feelings towards the NFL's draft system. Uh, Carl Williams, Caleb Williams' father, said he's got two shots at the apple, which means he can go back and play one more year in college if he'd like. So if there's not a good situation, the truth is he can come back to school. Um, I regret to inform Carl and Caleb Williams that as bad as the Bears situation is, the number one draft pick, tends to be a bad situation. It's the nature of the forced mediocrity of yep. of of the NFL. Uh so I don't do I think but, do I think do I think that he would actually go back to school uh and and skip a year given that he's gonna be the consensus number one. No. And risk getting hurt? No. And risk getting hurt. Do I think it's possible that like let's say the Bears do bottom out. Your only chance at getting a guy like that would be to clean house. You know what I mean? To like go get someone who wants Kayla. You know what I mean? Like if you were to trot out Eberflus, Ryan, po- I, mean, I don't know if Ryan Pohl survives this or not, but like the, the existing organization. Yes, you cannot, as much as I want Caleb Williams, like in that situation as a fan, what evidence do you have that this organization is going to do anything but fucking break you. Like the whole bit about the last 10 years has been, oh, if the Bears had just taken Mahomes over Trubisky, what would have been different? 
do I think Mahomes is transcendent enough that the Bears would have been like average to good? Pro- probably. He does seem like he's that good, and the mind meld with Andy Reid is why he is maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. But we would have broken him. We would have made his life so much harder to be good, and he wouldn't have a single Super Bowl. I can I can assure you that. No, and like. I'm not even sure he could have been transcendent because because the other part that shitty coaching staffs do is they start trying to like control things that they really have no business. Like when I look at the situation with Fields in a room with him, general manager Ryan Poles and coach uh, Matt Eberflus, who do I think is the most talented person there? Justin Fields. Yeah. None of those. Nobody else there is qualified to guide fields on anything. He may not be the guy, but like neither are they, they have no business telling <laughs> Like that's the thing. It's like, just go away. Like do nothing. Okay. Like, like he is going to do what he's going to do. You guys go sit in a corner and figure out the other parts of the game if you can. But like the thing that shitty coaches do is they begin trying to control things and they look for scapegoats. I can Im- easily imagine all the things that like Mahomes did to create and play unconventionally, the sidearm passes, just like every time one of those go- goes wrong, uh, a shitty, uh, a shitty Bears coach being like, you shouldn't be doing that stuff. Uh, here's what, let me, let me pull up some highlight reels of John Elway and show you how to, <laughs> how, how to play quarterback until you're just, until you're just like all turned around and broken. If I'm, if I'm Caleb Williams, like I, I think I am doing the, the Archie Manning thing and being like, you can draft me. I ain't playing, uh, which or you got to trade me, right? Like you can draft right. me, but then trade me. Yeah. And then it's still smart to do that because then you still get to deal him as, as an asset. But I think it's totally fair. If you're a, if you are an elite quarterback prospect, I think everyone, here's the thing at this point, everyone understand and support the decision to refuse to go play for the Chicago bears. Nobody. And this is a, Discourse around the NFL is it's it's changed a bit, but in general, it's like rules of the rules. You got to go do your job. Next man up, like just 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 go do it. The Bears are so bad. I think most people would react to a quarterback holding out and saying, "I refuse to play for the team that drafted me." If that's the Chicago Bears, I think most people would be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Bears have no business, uh, you know, getting the keys to another Ferrari, especially get like. Especially given how horrible it's been the first two weeks with really no signs that things are going to change or get like there is being bad. And then like the the way the Bears are trying to be bad this year was. I thought there was a world where like fields it could have clicked, but you, you and I talked about this in our last podcast before the season started. We kind of had like a moment that last preseason game against the Bills where it was like, uh oh. I think you I think you and I were trending towards I think he might still be fun, but there's a decent to good chance they're going to get to the end of this year. And the smartest thing to do is to like probably deal him and draft another quarterback, especially given that the Panthers like we own their first round pick. We might have two top five picks next year and. Like it will be. It would be irresponsible for a player. It'd be irresponsible for the organization to like let any of these chuckle fucks like, why should you get another bite at the apple? Like there has never been a bigger pivot point for the Chicago Bears as an organization. And I realize that sounds ridiculous to say, given there's no evidence they do anything good with it. But 
you like the Panthers are 0 2. The Bears are 0 2. Like next year's draft class is supposed to be like one of the most loaded in a long time. You really going to give it to the guy with the hits pr- principle and also the loafs? Do you remember the loafs? Are you aware of the loafs? No. Loafs. Let me look up the loafs. Okay. Eberflus also employs the quote loaf system. The staff review, this is from ESPN, from a couple years ago when he was on the Colts. Uh, the staff reviews film and charts to see how hard a player works on the field. They want their defensive players going full speed from the snap of the ball till after the whistle is blown. It's never a good thing to have a high number of loafs because it means the player isn't putting in the type of effort coaches expect. And it's embarrassing to be called out in front of teammates about having a loaf. <laughs> this guy sucks. Okay, so okay, the thing, the thing that pisses me off about that shit is, and I, I've seen this in other places. Like this isn't just, new. Like this is a like this is actually like a Lovey Smith had a similar like I don't know what the terminology was, but like this is of an era like defensive style coach. So like this is this is not he's not out on an island as much as. It's rarer these days to be talking this way. Well, I think one one thing that's made it rarer is that, like, in general, players are more assertive about, like, we're grown-ass professionals. Yes. Like, if this I'm going high to school speed bullshit. on a play, it's because it's done. Like, I'm I'm out of the play now. I'm not going to be hustling to the ball when it's, like, 30 yards downfield. Fuck you. The, the thing that bugs me about it, though, is these crap coaches, and you see it, and this is actually, this is crap managers everywhere. You don't know what you're doing, have no idea like how to succeed in the system. But what you can do is create little measures of like effort or something. You, you make little like are people doing what they're supposed to be doing? That's, that's tertiary to the main goal of like playing winning football or something. But you create all these little bogus little metrics that you're going to follow. Like, well, were you, you know, were you doing X, Y and Z? Uh, and, you know, sometimes like teams like do like do need to be brought up to a standard like things do get lax that's there's always a tension like you, you're always fighting entropy but whenever that's a big part of your system where it's like and we're gonna be counting the number of times that you weren't like hustling to the ball uh you know it, it's it, it starts to get really condescending and also it just kind of indicates that you're focusing on things that are easy to track on a spreadsheet or a, a whiteboard because you don't have the insight to see what else is happening on the play and address like the actual causes of like why things are not working out. So you're going to be looking at like, well, we had too many loafs and it's like, okay, but why did the pass rush break down? And we gave up like 12, it's one thing. It's like the scheme is working yeah. and it's like, Hey, we're putting you in positions to succeed. And then it's like low effort. Or, or like, like missing, missing a, 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 you know, a position that is result. Like, I, you can see how it can work in a hierarchy. The problem is, like, it appears to be the hierarchy. Be, like, the foundation is play hard and well, not necessarily. <laughs> let's go. Let's also just real quick because I don't want to pass over this too quickly. Paul's, Paul's and pay, uh, Paul's and Eberflus came in, and one mm-hmm. of the first things that we had to deal with is we got to get rid of Roquan Smith. He yeah. doesn't fit Eberflus's defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. Eberflus needs a different kind of linebacker. Uh, and so Roquan Smith, who was probably the last connection to like the legacy of Great Bears linebackers, uh, they deal him. They didn't want they didn't give him a good contract. They dealt him to the Ravens. He had a great year there. 
he's off to a decent start this year. It hasn't been like earth shattering, but like he had a great year with the Ravens, like really showed like why he's an elite yeah, linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it did get it did get weird there, though. Like you always got a little weird with Roquan. I mean, well, Roquan had some uh, some issues early in his career with the Bears. Like he sorted it all out, got his head on straight and like was 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 probably like the best draft pick they've made in the first round in the last 10 years. An incredible player. But I mean. He didn't have an agent and that stuff can get wonky real fast. Like I remember that it was like the, what they call like family day. Um, You know, a lot of teams do this where it's like, you're supposed to bring kids and they have activities there at the practice facility, or I think it actually takes place at soldier field. Um, And he wrote an open letter on social media to like the ownership of the Bears saying like your GM isn't offering me a good enough deal. Like it was, it was, it was, it it was on the other hand. On the other hand, don't things tend to get weird when the management is totally fucked and like <laughs> players are starting to be like, I need to talk to <laughs> the czar needs to know what the Cossacks are doing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it, the whole thing, like at the time, well, again, it, was it, was, like, it was also it was also you were giving a long leash because it was first year a teardown. Maybe Rokon Smith doesn't fit. Into, like there were reasons to give to buy into right but then two years later decision. it's like yeah. we need to open up the checkbook to get linebackers again because yes. we were getting torched we lost winnable games last year because the bears defense was tissue paper so now we need to go find linebackers on free agency the least efficient way to do it and they suck and you know who's re- you know who was really really good against the run you know who was like historically good against the run on the chicago bears roquan smith oh no like, <laughs> he wasn't of a pass rusher uh, forget that forget that his lateral presence was like full field coverage, like getting to the edge around Roquan was a hard thing to do. Nope, yes. not good enough. Uh, we, we needed to look at other metrics. So like like even the things the, to me, this is like why Paul's might as well just junk him too. it's like the places where they did make proactive choices about what they were going to build. And then the places they they made decisions about like where we're going to start to rebuild. None of that's working either. Well, both of their calling cards, uh, Eberflus, I'm a defensive coach. Uh, Ryan Poles, he was an offensive lineman, like almost was on the Chicago Bears, like has like a connection to the franchise that I, I forget a little bit. And then was in the, you know, infrastructure at the Kansas City Chiefs, which you know what? We did Matt Nagy. <laughs> We've done Ryan Poles. Maybe stop trying to pluck people from the Chiefs. Um, on the lower ranks, you were in the made- office while Patrick Mahomes won two Super Bowls. Like, yes, fuck yes, you. Yes, yes. Matt Nagy has a Super Bowl ring and doesn't doesn't deserve it. Uh, he, but- he holds a clipboard next to Patrick Mahomes like nobody's business. Right. But so Brian Pulse's whole thing was like, I know offensive line. I'm going to be able to pluck guys deep in the draft in free agency, cost effective, put together something that protects our quarterback. And that's just not. I need, I need like, I need the dark money ball, basically, (laughs) about the Chicago Bears. Like, I need the uh, smartest guys in the room, like, where, like, you just shoot it where everyone thinks they're in a Sorkin movie or something, and they, they're all just fucking crap. They're, they're all just (laughs) trash at their jobs. Uh, Because I, because I think they are. And, like, for instance, there's been some bad luck around the Tevin Jenkins draft, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also there's mm-hmm. always been evidence that this guy wasn't, he was drafted to be a tackle. Yeah. Tackle is a really challenging position. Real quickly, they're like, ooh, this guy is not tackle material, but you know what? I'll bet he'll be a great guard, which right away, your signature, like, we, and we got it. We dug deep in the draft. We got a great tackle. 
next year next like training camp rolls around actually he's a great guard no no those are two different things buddy <laughs> like the card guards are easier to come by if you went looking if you said I went, if you go out shopping for a tackle and you come back with a guard uh you go back out there well and again like the you look in retrospect the way the Rokon smith uh trade contract issue was handled it's constantly like talking about character and effort. And yet, like they pass on, you know, a Jalen Carter, who did a lot of good teams passed on Jalen Carter. There was reasons for him to go to the Eagles that I think do make sense. But you start looking at everything as it starts to to add up. It's like, well, then he traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool and clearly got fucking swindled on that one. Like just raked like you took like, like it is so increasingly obvious. When a player leaves the Patriots or the Steelers, do not touch them with like a 10 foot pole. Like clearly Tomlin is capable of like producing a culture that keeps guys that are kind of erratic or have really loud, distracting personalities or can be low effort uh, and is able to wrangle them into being serviceable players. And the moment they're on the chopping block, you should take it. When Tomlin says, I'm done with this guy. The league should be done with that guy. And so it starts to be one of those things where isolated incident, like even the second round pick for Chase Claypool, it's like, well, there was no path to a better receiver. Of course, they had to go get one. And I defended it at the time, even if I it was obviously a flop. But you start adding up all these individual moments. Oh, Tevin Jenkins last in training camp last year, he was frequently floated as a trade candidate because of character issues, because of effort issues. It's like is the hits principle loafs whatever the fuck you want to call it it just seems like they're not connecting with their players and are maybe bad judges of whatever we generically call character because it's uh it certainly doesn't seem to be adding up to a team that's worth watching this is a worse regime than Nagy and pace like just hands down Nagy kept that team together despite lack of results for a long time and this is the thing that they do like the team seemed to like him um, he lost them eventually because losing is going to just lose. You can't You're have two lose. disaster seasons in a row. No. And, and keep hold the locker room. But, but the players had, really liked him. He had multiple bad seasons and a lot of bad games. And the team kept the team stuck together. And yeah, they, like, and the other thing is the team liked each other through a lot of that. Like, Alan, it seemed to cause Allen Robinson pain. To be have to be the guy who's like, I don't like I'm having problems with Mitch. Like, it's just it's the connection isn't there. Now, it turns out Alan Robinson may like <laughs> he, his best days may have been done. But even there, like this is like we are now in Mark Trustman or John Fox like territory. Dude, here. someone someone's like, OK, it is hard. Like the Bears have a lot of bad years, but even amongst Bear fans. We don't like to talk about Trustman. They didn't happen. I don't mentally. <laughs> Lovey Smith was fired. And then Mitch Trubisky's played and John Fox is there on the sideline for some reason. And then cut to that Packers game in the, 2018. Right, it's Khalil Mack I, is just like wrecking, wrecking Aaron Rodgers for a half. There were two years. The Bears fire Lovey Smith. They hire a... They kind of throw a curveball. It was kind of an interesting idea at the time. There was a highly well-regarded uh, CFL 
coach, Canadian Football League coach, Mark Trustman, who had like one equivalent of like, a, you know, the Super Bowls, like, again, was like really well regarded and was like, and was hired over Bruce Arians. I can't. I know, I know this is a very painful period. This may have been in, it. This, this may have been like the rest of our lives with the Bears may have been this. Can you imagine Risk It or Biscuit? Bruce Arians with Jay Cutler, who himself was risk it or biscuit. I'm just going to throw that fucking thing. And a lot of times it didn't work out. But then when it did, you were like, okay, I don't know that Jay Cutler's a bad person yet. That I can't be held accountable for these things. But damn, that man could throw a fucking missile. And anyway, so they, and the first year of Tressman, and they have like in this era, probably the best compliment of offensive players the Bears have had in my like it's it's uh 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 Elshon Jeffrey uh Martellus Bennett um who's rather wide receiver uh Brandon Marshall like uh like I think like just really really good players they like, just monsters um I like I'm like as wide receiver one and two and they have a pretty decent year one until I think Jay Cutler gets injured and then they kind of fell off a cliff and so there was a lot of optimism going into year two and they're terrible the defense is awful. In fact, the defense was coached by a, uh, a guy that just got fired from Michigan State. Um, uh, that, that defense was aging. Mel Tucker. Uh, Mel Tucker. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mel Tucker was the defensive coach for Trestman. Uh, he just got fired for sexual harassment allegations, the details of which I don't have off the top of my head. But he loses that locker room. where Players are scre- – like beat reporters cannot be let into the locker room. Because players are screaming at each other. Um, it was bad. It was as bad as it's ever been in. And like, we have a lot of bad years, Rob. That was, it's so bad we try to forget. We're just memory holding well, and then, two years of Bears football. And then they hired John Fox, who was like palliative, palliative care for the Bears. Where it's like, we're just going to have a steady hand here while this team just asphyxiates. Yes. Uh, and that's that's all it's going to be. Um, it's similar to the Eberflus, right? Like, just get a culture guy. Just get a good guy in the room who's seen some shit and we'll build. We'll, let's build up this team. I right? very similar like mentality. Even at John Fox, that I've, you know, even in the Super Bowl, like he had like worked with Peyton Man, like he was further in his career than than Eberflus is. But similar sort of like ideas like this team's going to be bad. What we need is like a steady hand at the wheel. Well, and, and that's the other thing. We can't even get the interesting culture guys. It turns out the interesting culture guy was Dan Campbell. I know. Like, that's the guy who came in. And by the way, this is the thing I return to a lot. The Lions also had a couple, like, really shitty years under him. But they always looked like they were trying. Like, and they lost a fun. ton of games. Yeah. They Every win was like a Super Bowl for them. We were like, we're bad, but we did it. And, and there were a lot just- of games they weren't losing ugly. No, like correct. it was, oh, like the Lions put up more of a fight. Like it starts turning into a thing where people start feeling bad for them because they deserved a win. Yeah. They were like things were just going against them, but they should have won a few more games than they did. This was the story of them in that almost winless season. This was the story of them last year. They should have had a better record than they did. It just like they they tended to come up a little bit short, uh, you know, in the, in these games. And so like that's a case where you start from a team that's basically been destroyed by its previous coach, Matt, Matt Patricia. God. And you get a guy in who looks like a meathead, is just an absolute like clown. But he and his staff like each other and the player, they connect with the players. And despite that team sucking, everyone buys in and continues to work harder at every setback. 
the bears look like they're just folding up. Like, it's just like stick a fork in them. They are done. Uh, it's week two. And I'm not sure, like, you know, how much effort you're going to expect to see as this as this season as the season drags on. We are one week away from a blowout Kansas City loss, right? Like, they're not going to be competitive in that game. They are going to be out of it one one quarter in. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be slinging the ball deep and running and fumbling. Like, you can I can see. Oh, I hope he's slinging the ball. Um, <laughs> that would imply he's throwing it. Well, that's true. Um, but we are like one week away from players in like their like radio hits that they have to do starting to call out the coaches. You know what I mean? Like we are so close. And that is when a, uh, when a team snowballs, when they had, when there's no hope, there's nothing to cling on to. Uh, that's when locker rooms start fracturing. I do think the first thing that's going to happen, I think Luke Getze is going to get fired. I think that is like the clear number one, like, hey, your plan for fields sucks shit. Whatever his deficiency ours as a quarterback, and that's the thing that's lost on a lot of this, is that he, you you can attribute it to many things. Coaching, uh, development, uh, but a lot of the things he's bad at were things that people were worried he was going to be bad at when he entered the NFL. And so there's actual, there is some consistency to the problems in his game that maybe could have been fixed or better mitigated or worked around with better coaching, but also lots of QBs are a coin flip. And it was not going to be shocking if Justin Fields, despite his traits, didn't translate. Um, the problem is like, because the bears are so organizationally trash, you can't help but wonder, well, if he was just anywhere fucking else, like, you know, what would but what could have been different? But then you look at the 49ers and like they traded three round draft picks for Trey Lance and he played like three games. Like they literally well, he had gave- terrible luck. But then Brock Purdy turns into like, I mean, who knows what he's ultimately going to turn into. Yeah. But it's an example of there is no way that guy should or would ever be good unless the system really worked around him. And like, like allows a guy who had no discernible talent as far as NFL scouts were. This is the yeah. most marginal quarterback that could, that ever lived. And <laughs> he's got a great record because he went to a functional organization. The last thing I'll say on this, because mm-hmm. like. After the first game, people were like, how long do we give this regime? But if you do not follow the Bears, and this is where the real psychodrama of the Bears really kicks up a notch. The McCaskey family. uh so they're all descended from Virginia McCaskey, who was George Hallis's daughter. The Bears wear GSH on their uniform. That guy is the founder of the Bears and of the NFL. They are football royalty, but in the way that a declining monarchy has like cadet branches that like they have holdings, but they don't have they, they have not kept up with the times. This is a notoriously cheap team. Always has been. They don't have huge cash reserves. Like, yes, you're rich making like running an NFL team. Like you are rich and you have a huge asset, but you can't liquidate that asset because once you liquidate it, now you're just people who have a big sale price, but you don't own an NFL team anymore. Uh, so they tend to sort of pay as they go. They are a very cheap football team. They don't have huge cash reserves, but the they, the thing they really hesitate to do is pay people for work they are not going to do. Which gets tricky when it comes to things like deciding to fire people who have time left on their contract. I'm sure that Poles and Ewithlis must have, like four-year contracts are pretty standard. So like there's a real possibility that they just finished 
paying off like Matt Nagy and are then staring down the barrel of paying these two coaches. And it's why, you know, you should probably fire everybody by the bye week. But the Bears won't do it. But they won't do it because they'll wait until they need to be. So when is okay? Let me look at the rest of their schedule. But while you because look the packer up. the Packers like for uh, there are so many faults with uh, the McCaskies uh, in terms of how they run the organization. The thing they take most personally though is the Packers stuff. Like how do you play against the Packers? Now, granted, we've played very poorly, <laughs> uh, and so uh, the there hasn't been much to show for it. But I think do we finish the season? We finish the season, Rob. We started the season thoroughly outplayed, embarrassed, destroyed at home at Soldier Field. We finish the season against the Packers on January 7th. And so we are ripe for just getting throttled a second time. Our best hope for this regime to be gone is for just to, hey, do I like to be beaten by the Packers? No. Unless it serves my interests. And on January 7th, I might be a Packers fan. This is so, but the thing is, I would actually like where you get into real trouble with this is probably decisions need to start being made now to clean house. Especially if you think, if you think there's a shot. So there are, are two. Really good quarterback prospects, Drake May and Caleb Williams. So even if for some reason Caleb Williams, I don't know. We actually, I don't think it's going to get to a. I'm turning down the Chicago Bears. I I don't actually think it's going to get there. Though I think players probably should push against the NFL draft system a little bit more and a- exert some agency. I think that would be healthy for the sport. That and the uh, the franchise tag, two big items. That's to, the players. Like, but that's yep. the next. Like, that's but I. But I think players. I wouldn't. You know, it would make me sad, but like I, I would not blame Caleb Williams for pushing against that. But the thing is, even if he pushes back, Drake May, like the QB two, like consensus and all, like is also excellent. And even Deion Sanders's kid is like rising up the ranks as like, uh, like a kid that would be like a really interesting QB three. So like the Bears will have options, but if they continue to be this trash fire, and by all indications they're going to be, like you're right, they have to be laying down. Like who is going? Who you need to be scouting now for who is that coach that you're going to bring in offensive minded because you're clearly getting a quarterback next season. It's so hard for me to imagine Justin Fields being on this team. He can't be the backup. You're going to trade him and say, Godspeed. I hope someone else can treat you better than we did. But you have your your entire future has to be on. How do we give ourselves a chance this next time around? And that starts now with like who's succeeding as an OC. Frankly, it's probably trying to poach the D- Detroit Lions uh, like offensive coordinator. He's sick. And I think that team might. I think if he leaves next year, I don't know that the biting the kneecaps is going to work as well. Because I think that OC has been doing a lot of the like ceiling lifting. I think like their I think their head coach is a good floor setter. But that OC has been doing the ceiling lifting on that team, yeah. and he'd be the kind of guy to be looking at. At this point, I, I would take the Bears. floor, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like you know what? I ain't build off a of floor. Uh, it's but but the thing is, so where this gets really grating is that we all know pretty much, like all Bears fans know in their heart, 
where it's going. This regime is done. Yeah. Like, the, like they don't they don't have it. Like Paul's probably doesn't have it. He gives a good interview. He seems really smart. His picks don't seem to have worked out. There's little evidence that he's being like held back by Eberflus. Eberflus definitely doesn't have it. Uh, like he and his staff have got to go, and a better organization with deeper pockets. After the Bears are demolished by the Chiefs, maybe they get one more game to like okay in a better matchup. Show us something. <sighs> What's the bye? What what is their bye week? Um. Oh, you think about like when would you fire someone before the buy and let a install? Yeah, a it's really interim? rare to fire before. Th- so it's happened. Week, week thirteen. Um, let Rob. Let's do this. Let's go through the Bears' schedule. I think for the third time. <laughs> so we've week <laughs> one a therapeutic exercise L. now. Week two L. So we're zero and two. Bears at Chiefs. That's an L. Like L. we're not no, not a not a chance. And the Chiefs do not appear to be the Chiefs. They appear to be beatable, but and I actually I saw someone <clears throat> comments on this like the last major Bears Chiefs game which we were not competitive in, but he was putting up his finger every time for like the difference in draft position between Trubisky and like it was it was brutal. Like it was it <laughs> That was a primetime game. It was just, it was so upsetting. <clears throat> um, you know, how does he view that now? Like, you're really coming, is it Bears at, okay, so we're going to Arrowhead. Uh, like, is he really going to be, like, mocking the Bears? Be like, you know, it's like, I think he should be happy. Like, he should be thankful that, like, he didn't go to this organization. Why would you be rubbing it in our face? You should just be, like, reaching out to Justin Fields and offering, like, therapeutic lessons. Anyway, that's, so 0-3. Week four, Broncos at Bears. I give it to the Broncos. They look get, competent. Yes. I think Russell Wilson is also going to get benched at some point this season. He has not looked good, but I think Sean Payton is like, will engineer a win. Bears at Commanders. Like, the Commanders aren't very good either. They look like, like football team. And their defense looks really good. Um, Vikings at Bears. The Vikings look like a mess, but that's an L. Yep. Uh, Raiders at Bears. Okay, that one is kind of a coin flip. I don't know. Devonta Adams, I think, is injured. Yeah. I Somewhere out of that group of four they're going to win something. Win right. Yeah. So I'd say maybe give uh, the Raiders is our best chance. Yeah. Okay. Bears at Chargers. Brandon nope. Staley, the Chargers, Chargers coach, who is an ex-Bears defensive coach, he might be gone at this point. The Chargers are also 0-2, and people seem to be over him. The thing is, Justin Herbert is so fucking good. I... And Cleo Max there. He yeah, might want to rub, yeah. he might want to sit on us. That's an L, right? That's an L. Bears at Saints. Derek Carr. No, I, I watched the Saints. They looked they looked decent. Okay. All right, we're saying L. Like right. and by the way, like just a quick thing. The Saints were projected to have one of the worst offensive lines heading into the season. Yeah. I was just watching their line play the other night. <laughs> Are they great? No. But do they pick up blocks cleanly? And does the quarterback have like clear lanes to throw and an ability to like see the field beyond that line? Yes, he does. Like the the pieces aren't even there, but good coaching is good coaching. Bears don't have that. Anyway, L. L. Okay. So we are one and eight, uh uh heading into uh uh or one and nine. Uh no one and eight. Uh heading into week ten. Now this is a big one. Panthers at Bears, because we own the first round draft pick of the Panthers. They are 0 and 2. Bryce Young has looked okay. I too early to say too much about about him. But oddly, like this is a game where 
Well, I don't know. It might not matter. They both might be so bad. They both might be going to this game having won. They have won. strong Bears energy. They do have Did strong Did you watch Bears that energy. game last night? Frank Reich, place I don't. empty. I don't think Frank Reich is a very good coach. Um, and so the, the Panthers might be in a bad place, and that might not be Bryce Young's fault. I have no idea. That's a coin flip. Let's give this it to the Bears. Coin, let's it. give it to the Bears. I think that is one where they might eke it out. And it kind of works out either way, because the Panthers getting a loss, Bears, like, it's sort of whatever at that point. Um, week 11. Bears at Lions. That's an L. Like, we're, right? Yeah, a vastly better team. Um, and then we play the Vikings again. Do we say we're losing twice to the Vikings? Yes. I, okay. So, that gets us through week 12. We are 2-10. and 10. And then you head into week 13. So, you you know, you get your week off. Let's Let's go through the rest of the schedule here. Lions at Bears. We're saying L again, right? I think they're beating up. I yeah. think this is turning into a laughing stock at this point. Yep. Bears at Browns. Okay, I don't know about this one. No, Deshaun I think Watson I looks do. awfully, awfully bad. Uh, I think the Bears. But their the defense Browns is really like good. They have more going on than we do. And also, yeah, okay. here's the thing I will say: Watson did look bad. He also looked like a guy who is slowly shaking the rust off. Like he mm. did look bad, and he has lost a step. But some of the athleticism is still there. Okay. Uh, I think he I think he is trending up. I don't think he's going to be like who they thought he was going to be. Um, but uh, like I actually think that Deshaun Watson is going to be a disappointment in Cleveland, but is not we, we he's not at his uh, ceiling. OK, I, I think he's going to get better. Cardinals of Bears in previous iterations of this, Ooh. we almost certainly gave ourselves a W on this. But the thing is, Joshua Dobbs was their like old yeah. veteran quarterback has looked surprisingly competent. And I know that all the, the clips coming out of like Josh, Josh Gannon, I think is like their coach, right? The ex, the ex Eagles guy had been really dispiriting, just a wet noodle of a, of a coach in terms of inspiring speeches. And yet they're really competitive. Like they were up 20 to zero on the giants before they kind of flopped due to a talent deficiency. Cause they're also doing what the bears are doing, which is just selling everybody. But Kyler Murray is probably going to be probably going to be in be this game. So yeah. we're going to lose that game. Yes. And all, they they did not look like that bad a team. The like the Giants meltdown was ridiculous. What a great game, by the way. Uh, yeah. Again, an example of like two really flawed teams that are having struggles, but like they're keeping it together and yeah. are staying in games in a way the Bears are not. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, I give it to the Cardinals. Uh, and then yeah, week 17 Falcons at Bears. I think the Falcons are a, a really well coached team. I don't think Desmond Ritter is it. I think he is maybe actively bad and they're going to be shopping. But look, maybe Justin Fields should go to the Falcons. Like, come on. I have been wondering can we trade him? Fields? Yes. You would be getting yourself fired. I, I don't think you can trade Fields and keep your job. No, but I think the blowing it up. But if I'm if I'm in blowing it up mode, I might be like, listen, we both know the Bears mistreated this asset, and we probably still don't have a great like somebody out there thinks they can fix him, and somebody else, somebody out there who needs a quarterback thinks they can fix him, and would be willing to give up stuff to get him. Look, do I think it? Here's the thing: if I had confidence in. Ryan Poles. That would be a healthy, smart decision by the organization to recognize what we have isn't it. Like what, but like Fields go succeed. Like I just don't think they're going to do it. 
I I I I, I think that no. is just putting a an, 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 just a, a bullet uh, or a target on your back. And but I think they're going to beat us. I think the Falcons are well coached. I like Arthur Smith a lot, and um, that leads us to Week 18, like Packers at Bears, like in Lambeau, in which the Packers are probably going to be playoff bound. They might not even be playing Jordan Love for all we know, because I think the Packers are actually now well suited mm. to win the division. Um, and the Lions are going to be pretty good, but the Packers have been. I'm not as all in on the Packers. I'm not all in. I just think they're going to be competitive. Like, I, th- I think they are going to be a wild card team that gets yeah. blown out in the first round. Um, but I think they're going like, look at all these else. Oh, yeah. Like, no, there's there's going to be the team is going to have nothing. At this point, there's going to be active rumors about the coaches being fired. Fields is going to know that he's not on the team next year. Like people are going to be talking like there is going to be nothing for them to play for. They're just getting through the game. That's an L. And that leaves us with. Rob, I think in this first exercise, we I think we gave the team 10 wins. I think we did. I think we did. <laughs> well, the, the core assumption was Fields was going to pop. Yeah. Uh, and that hasn't happened. And then the defense is somehow as bad. As uh, bad. I look. Some some folks are saying like they actually weren't as bad. Like there there are signs of life there. Whatever. But like it's it looks awful. Show, so, the, prove it to me. Prove you know like there is nothing that I've seen in the first two games. Like can I? Maybe can Baker I believe, Mayfield look like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he ran for like seventeen yards. He's not a running quarterback. Like he had more running yards than Justin fucking Fields. Like that is that is that is malpractice. That's a fireable offense in and of itself, even this if you is, lose. So, but this is the this is the thing that's killing me. Is like it is so clear the healthy thing to do at this point is eat those salaries and just start retooling the entire organization. Like right now. Like put in interims so you can start seeing what pieces you know what I mean? Like see who Here's is the, in the organization thing. who like might have potential to stay on and provide the, some continuity. The one thing I'll say, the kind of X factor, and they brought this up in uh, in the Hogan Johns podcast Kevin was, was Kevin, Kevin Warren. Warren. The Bear, the Chicago Bears in this offseason hired a new president of the organization to sort of oversee football operations and 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 specifically as they pursue building uh, a new stadium, which I don't think <laughs> that stadium has gotten a little rocky. I see them knocking down the racetrack every single uh, like multiple times a week. But ours shout outs to our school systems. They're putting up a fucking fight. And like it's awesome. Like I want that stadium, but I'm willing to lose it if our school system say go fuck yourself, McCaskies. Like make sure you give us enough money for all the like traffic you're going to bring into this area. So I I still think it happens, but it's got like the percentage has been going down. Much like the Cubs' chances at entering the playoffs, we I feel like the chances of that stadium have have dipped into more like 75% territory where I, I would have said it was a lock a year ago. But it's all to say he didn't hire these these guys. He's if you're building a stadium, yeah. you know how you build a stadium with hope. And I think there is that might be our best chance, Rob, to a break break in this organizational gridlock that has gripped the McCaskies yes. year over year is a guy comes in and goes, you want me to build a stadium like with these clowns? Like w- you want me to sell people- this team as a thing that a community should invest in? Yes. And it's like. Suddenly, if that stadium starts getting built next year, takes three years after like they like announce that they're starting. Well, you draft a brand new quarterback, new team, like like you usually get two to three years, right? You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, the timeline 
matches up. And the thing that you were talking about earlier, and I guess we can close on this note, take a break, and then talk about the rest of the NFL, is, you know, Jay Cutler gets this massive seven-year unprecedented extension by Phil Emery, a, a previous GM of the of the Chicago Bears. Phil Emery gets fired. Coach uh, 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 Coach Lovey, like, uh, Lovey, get, Lovey Smith gets fired. Uh, they bring in uh, Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace is stuck with the Jay Cutler contract, is b- essentially bullied by the McCaskies to hire John Fox. Ryan well, and Pace, Tressman was also just a... We're stuck with Cutler. We have to like how do right. we how do we make sure he turns into good Jay? Yes, yes. Oh, you're right. That's, again, I just memory hold the Trustman thing. Uh, and 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 so then, uh, you know, Ryan Pace drafts Mitch Trubisky while he has John Fox as a coach, and then fires John Fox, hires uh, Matt Nagy, and so you have a GM that that scouted and drafted a coach uh, a quarterback, but then the the coach did not scout and draft that quarterback. And then those two get fired, but they draft Justin Fields. And then now Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have just, but like, it's just, for that reason alone, you should just clear the decks and just hire a GM and a coach that look at these next set of quarterbacks and go, who do we want to build the next five years of the Chicago Bears around? And, I hope that's the place that we end up in. And now at least I've been so thoroughly broken that I I can't be disappointed by the team anymore. I'm back into I'm the first week was just bad because I thought I bought in that like they they could be fun. I was thinking about the Patriots game. I was thinking about moments like that. And that was just so dispiriting and then losing to the Bucks like all right, I'm broken. It's back to I can't I'll just laugh when we throw a pick six at the back of the end zone when we've thrown a screen with the same formation three times in a row. And then Shaq Barrett will tell the beat reporters that he knew what they were calling, which is why he could anticipate it and take that ball in. Fuck. All right. It's bad. We're gonna take a break, come back, talk about the rest of the NFL. Uh, and then we'll, and we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll be right back. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What <laughs> changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar, you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Mood is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Remap Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach, won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code REMAP50 at factormeals.com slash REMAP50 to get 50% off. All right, uh, we're back. We've released the demons. We're, we'll, we'll revisit. I, I don't know when we'll even talk about the bears again. I feel like like it would just be a repetitive conversation about the same same nightmare. So. No, we're going to be like, look at this. Look at it. You see this? Patrick, do you see the part where this happened? That this. So I, I think I think they'll keep coming up, but I do think there's going to be less and less to say unless I mean, I, I honestly hope we talk about the bears a lot because that will probably mean the bears did something they've never done in my life, which is like pull the trigger on just like blowing up a failing staff mm-hmm. and rebooting, which things are dark enough. They might um, last thing I'll say just to move us on to other topics. Uh, but I think, it you know, it, it, it just is a. Thing that I've had in the back of my mind. Uh, the second season of Welcome to Rexham has kicked off, mm-hmm. and I know it's charming that like Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, like you know, doing we're we're taking over this beloved local soccer team. But I think the real fantasy of it, the real thing that is just like it's like it's a it's a bit narcotic watching this. Is there is a storied team, and then two people come in who are like. We're going to manage this thing competently. We are going to invest in this team. We're going to like like talk to talk to people and you hear our thinking your our thought process on like what we want to have happen. We're going to invest in winning parts and when things don't work out, we're going to swap those parts out. And it's like it's just a fantasy of competence, right? <laughs> it's a fantasy of someone showing up and being like, you know, all this stuff that you're just like stuck with that you can't change and it's just a mess. What if some cool people showed up and and decided we're gonna fix that up for you? It's a dream. Wow, maybe it could be our dream. Probably not, but 
you know, some people have hope that things could, you know, their their team could be good. Like we just have hope that maybe we could have hope. I have hope that maybe I could have hope. That's what Are I'm. Are there any young McCaskies who seem cool? <laughs> Wow, is, a bleak, is, a bleak place. Really, some cool nephew that could be in charge of the team instead. Yeah. Uh, perhaps, perhaps the 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 second prince will <laughs> will have some some success. Uh, elsewhere, I don't know. I was what what what. There's a, a lot going on in the the first two weeks. Um, there's a lot of different directions we could go. in. is there anything that kind of called out out to you? There's anything from. You know, Anthony Richardson, Aaron Rodgers injury, the Dolphins kicking ass, Mike McCarthy surprisingly competent, uh, Eagles looking kind of shaky, Bengals maybe having a calf problem uh, with, with Burrow. What what calls out to you? Gosh, you know, I think a through line there that you sort of alluded to is there's so much stuff I expected from this season, like in terms of who the leading contenders would be, that I'm not as confident that's going to – like the Jets – you know, obviously Rogers going out in the first game uh, is a disaster and like that might be it for for their season. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's shocking the degree to which the Eagles don't appear to be the Eagles, uh, you know, as, as we've known them. And and I think some of it is just. You get unlucky with injuries, but then also, especially with like a lot of the um athletic multi-dimensional quarterback uh archetype i do feel like that is a little more sensitive to not aging out but like it doesn't take much for you to be that little bit slower and that little bit less strong where like the things you could create before just don't work out as much and that kind of feels like is what is happening with with the eagles like the 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 runs for hurts do not appear to be as good as they were um and they don't appear to be like spreading the defense out as much. Well, they, and they lost so, their coordinator, right? Like this is going to be one of those, yeah. you know, when Sirianni was hired to the Eagles, it was a laughing, like it, it was a joke. He had like that really terrible yeah. opening press conference. He's got a. He, I fr- frankly wish you know there was just a Sirianni cam. The man just has like the the goofiest facial expressions at all times. Like it is it is frankly hard to take him seriously. A lot uh, looking at him on on the, uh, the sidelines of a, of a football game and, you know, granted, head coaches are important, but also coordinators are extremely important. And the Eagles, this is what happens frequently when you go to the Super Bowl is you those those coaches get taken. They get they You're get they, somewhere else. And uh, they lost both their offensive and def- the offensive coordinator went to become the head coach of the Colts. Uh, their defense coordinator went to become the head coach of the Cardinals. And. Suddenly it's like, can Sirianni, is there an infrastructure? Like how much is Sirianni? Like, it's just, I, I'm not like teams often regress from the Super Bowl. So that is, there's a, yes. to some degree, a natural regression, Super Bowl hangover, or whatever you want to call it. They were also just the healthiest, one of the healthiest teams in football last year, which you're not going to do that again. So there's like a lot of factors working against them being a juggernaut and suddenly you kind of fall to earth and you're like a pretty good team, which is probably where they end up is like a pretty good team that, you know, uh, still manages to make it to at least the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now is like, it feels a bit like, um, the guard is changing a little bit. Like, obviously, you know, it feels like yesterday, honestly, that like, 
boy, we've got years to look forward to just the epic battles between the Rams, the Chiefs, the Bills. And now it kind of feels like, well, one of those teams may not even be good. Uh, and as for as for the rest, like they are they remain good teams, uh, maybe even great ones. But it's no longer we have not seen anyone emerge this year that I would say, like, this team looks dominant. The closest uh, to a bulldozer is weirdly the the Cowboys, probably. Like they won 40 zip against the Giants. Now the Giants are also was a yeah. major regression candidate of like, boy, as much as I wanted Brian Dable, and I still think he is a a great coach, you know, the way they hired that Daniel Jones uh con you know, signed that Daniel Jones contract, I think is really gonna <laughs> excuse me, bite them in the ass. Um it coaching will, can only do so much when you when you've got a uh, a mediocre to a quarterback. He was a big part of their comeback, though. He, uh, he was. Now, yeah. admittedly, he was behind. Uh, admittedly, he was behind Saquon Barkley, who was also a big part of that uh, comeback. And who just got injured, got hurt. Yeah. But I start like I. I was like I was laughing my ass off in week one because I was like, the Giants bought high on <laughs> on on Jones, and I'm like, you, this is not a good thing. No, to that do. is like the worst possible scenario. And again, maybe it's slightly misleading because I think actually, if there's any team that is the, oh shit. They could beat anyone and beat them comfortably. It probably is the the Cowboys. I, I was definitely yeah. deeply skeptical of their ability to pull that off because we've seen Mike McCarthy like call plays before. It didn't end well in in Green Bay. Granted, complicating factors there with Rodgers being a total weirdo and in control of the offense, you know, himself and contradictory to the play callers. But still, I think there was every reason to think, huh. Like th this part might not go that well. And honestly, it's really hard to t the offense hasn't done very much. That's the thing. I Their need to see a better win is just out of this world. Like Micah Parsons is getting like Lawrence Taylor comparison. Like we are looking at like a all time, like generation spanning defensive player in a way that uh, if you can single handedly wreck a game effortlessly. Well, it sure makes it easier for the offense. The the thing I'll say about Dallas, though, is I, I, I feel like that Giants game, the Giants had just a spectacularly awful game. Yeah. Uh, and the, the defense did a lot of that, but also just Jones played one of the worst games of his career. Uh, and the second season, the second week, he bounced back a bit. Uh, he was showing a bit more uh, perk, a little more creativity. And then they beat the shit out of the, the, the Jets, who were also just gut shot. And Zach Wilson looks terrified. He's so bad. Uh, you know, he is so there. bad. They have like they just like I don't think he would. I didn't watch that quarterback show on Netflix that I heard was like pretty. Like don't watch Hard Knocks. Like watch the quarterback show was kind of what like the vibe I got. Was like I heard actually, Hard Knocks was good this year though. Yeah, but I just I don't know. I'm over like the inside the halls of training camp sort of like just the bit I'm kind of over with. Whereas like the quarterback show seemed to like actually go behind the scenes into their yeah average like everyday lives and you and you got some good stuff anyway kirk cousins is one of them but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that is itching to like move situations like he seems pretty happy in in minnesota till they probably cut bait with him next year but geez like if they could just trade for cuz like kirk cousins seems like the perfect kind of candidate for a like mid to upper like lower lower upper tier quarterback to like thrive on 
on the Jets, but I, I don't know that I don't know if the Vikings are going to give him up or Kirk, Kirk Cousins, I think, has a no trade clause, so he would have to want to go um, anyway. But it's like they just seem lot like they're just going to lose another season of a stellar defense because they Zach Wilson is not just bad, but catastrophically, sadly, Justin Fields level bad <laughs> at the current going rate. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate because it does feel like. Dude, if they had. If they had Mitch Trubisky yeah. back there, they'd be playoff bound. Yeah. Like it would be, it, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go very far, but they would have a fun season. It's like, they just need someone with like, they need someone who's not completely shell shocked back there. And that is unfortunately what they've, what they've got. Someone who has like completely lost their feel for the game. Uh, and is just visibly scared uh, to, to be out there. Whether that's from the weight of the moment. Uh, now, where they're just like scared to be the the QB one in the NFL, whether they're scared of, uh, oh my god, this game is so fast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I you just can't. You couldn't blame them in week no. one. The idea that like all off season, the whole thing has been the like the team trying to like, hey Zach, like take a step back, like learn from this Hall of Fame. Like this is actually maybe a great moment for you. Where, like right. these first couple of years haven't gone well. Like. You know, Rodgers seemed to be like playing nice because it was a new team and he was in a different market and all that. Yep. And the idea that that's been the narrative for you, Zach Wilson, the player, after a really tumultuous couple of years where you're, you are clearly a bust from the the eyes of the NFL, the eyes of the, the New York Jets, the team. Uh, right. That four plays into the biggest opening game of like the Jets in – I don't know how long, a lot, like 10 years that Rodgers goes down and then you were thrust into playing. I think that would spook. That's that's sympathetically spooked. Like, like I totally get that as opposed to, but unfortunately that spreads to like, he's famously the one against the Patriots, against the Patriots. He said he was seeing ghosts and I got caught by a, 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 a mic, which is not what you, not what you want to hear. No, and like I just can't I can't imagine the psychological whiplash of hey, this year you're just gonna sit behind Aaron, you're gonna learn at the feet of the master, and like you you know, you won't be called on unless something goes wrong in a series for a series. Or you're doing cleanup, reading, right? So, yeah. Like, hey, we're up by twenty in the fourth quarter. Come hey, come on, Zach, low pressure. Throw some yeah. balls. Yeah, it's it's J V time. We're 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 sending we're sending out the twos. And then, like, yeah, the fourth play, he's just gone. He's just gone. <laughs> and it, it's now you. And by the way, the reason he was here in the first place is because the entire organization is convinced they are Super Bowl team. If only they had a better quarterback. And <laughs> now it's you. And there, if it doesn't work out, it's going to be because, like, once again, it was you in there and not not a better quarterback. Uh, in terms of teams like that I'm actually still very high on, um, I think Miami do look terrific. I think, like, I think Miami looks... Good. looks he looks great. Like, I, th- I think that was part of what was been interesting between last season and this season is, okay, how much of this is having two track stars on the left and right side of, of the field? And the two, is, is he system or can he do other stuff? And I think what we've seen a lot, like, I think you mentioned in a, in a, a DM with Austin, like the touch he put on like a, almost like a, I think it was like a fade throw or something. It was an end zone, but like, it was an incredible. It was a, it was a long sideline throw with okay. a high arc, and it hit the guy in stride. He did. It was. It wasn't a jump ball. It was just one of those things where it was like feathered into the guy's hands. Easy catch. Something that you know we've we've been watching. We've been like, 
I wonder if maybe this time Mitch can throw that ball. Nope. All right. Well, not him. We'll stick uh, to the Justin? right. Well, I mean, you, rem- you you forget that like the conspiracy theories around him that he couldn't throw to his left, that he could only th- right. Wasn't that it? That like the left. Yeah, he bo- can't like, throw across his body. To the, like, and you would look at like his yeah uh, throwing charts, and you yeah. would like see it. And then I remember one time he threw like to his left, and it was like a big completion. People were like, "Oh, look!" But that's where we are, is we're like yeah. psychoanalyzing our quarterbacks. We're like, can they not throw to the left? Um, whereas, but, like, but the Tua's- whole team, the whole team looked real put together around Tua. Yeah, he uh, the, and a the, great coach, a like a working. really great coach, like an incredibly good coach. Yeah, like very, very high in McDaniel. He seems he seems like an awesome coach, awesome dude. Uh, so like that's probably the team that I'm looking at that like they might be the one where I'm like most confident in for the year as like a conference uh, championship uh, game. San Francisco are also still very good. Um, you know, I think they they're kind of in, they're kind of in that tragedy of. They're gonna. I think that like I can almost feel like they're gonna look back on this era, and it's like it was fun, but they didn't enjoy it because they always felt like the team should have been better if only they solved this one problem. It's like the Bears, really, in the Levy Smith era. Yeah. Uh, it's like all the pieces were there. You had a lot of great players. You had a lot of great like units on the team. You never quite solved the quarterback thing that would have made the offense explosive. They they essentially have a dynasty, have had a dynasty caliber team on both sides of the ball for four years. And that's gotten them to Super Bowl, to conference championships, but not not over the hump. And uh, that's got to haunt you, especially as you trade trade Lance to the to the Cowboys. And they're hoping that they're hoping that Purdy is going to be secretly like great. And then he might secretly just be good. Yeah. And I think with good, they still might win a Super Bowl. They still yeah. might like go really far in the playoffs. But I think like just my sense of it, you have to talk to you know, your buddy, Jason Wilson, or a lot of our friends out in San Francisco. Uh, there's a lot of angst around like this team is so good. They should be more of a lock on Sundays. And they're not because there's just this one there's this one like wobbly step. There's a there, there, there's there's a there's a wobbly piece uh, in the in the middle of this team, and it's gonna drag everything down. Well, I think you saw that no more well illustrated than in their most recent game, where Purdy was a little shaky, and the Rams, who I think heading into the season, uh, like they, I don't know how long it's been, but it's long. Like the Rams are positioned next year to have their first first round draft pick in something like eight seasons. Like they've just dealt those like candy to build their, their teams um, during much of the McVay era. Uh, and they were seen to be like, they're playing like an, they're like one of the youngest teams in football. They're playing yeah. just a shitload of rookies and they're not even rookies in early rounds. There are lots of rookies in late rounds. And because they were so disappointing last year, they're also very injury prone. The thought was this might be one of the worst teams in football like this is a candidate to you know lose most of their games be in competition for a Caleb Williams or a Drake May in in uh next spring and I mean like that game which was extremely competitive until about the fourth quarter until the 49ers just they've got too much talent like they were able to pull away but like Matt Stafford looked awked awesome like the coaching of all these rookies look great they have this 
uh, I, uh, I don't have the guy's name in front of me, but like they have this rookie wide receiver, Paku or something like that. that is, oh, like, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Like Lee, like all time opening to a career. C- correct. Like is going to like on pace to like break historic records in the NFL for like receptions. He's basically taken on the Cooper Cup role um, as Cooper Cup's been out injured for, for the Rams. But like that's great coaching. Like suddenly makes you think like, well, they're not going to win a bunch of games. But like, are they going to like steal five or six and make a lot of uh, good teams look down to earth, which is what they did to the 49ers. Then the counter is exactly what you're saying is that, well, maybe the 49ers wouldn't be down to earth if Brock Purdy was more than just good, but was actually like, you don't need transcendent. But if you had, again, I I feel like, like the Kirk Cousins line for me, where it's like, like he's not, it's not like Andy Dalton where he's middle of the road. It's like just slightly better than average would get a team like that just firing on all cylinders. And it definitely seems like it's shaping up to be like the kind of team that ends up disappointing, even as they kick a lot of ass along the way. And you're always excited when Christian McCaffrey has the ball. But I think it's, you know, I think the, the thing that would scare me a little bit if I'm a San Francisco fan, just having my experiences as a bear fan, trying to fix like, Oh, if only we had a quarterback. It's like the Jenga piece you can't move because it's so expensive and hard to get a good quarterback and nobody wants to part with anyone who's remotely competent that like it is so easy to just wreck your team trying to fix like there's just this one problem in the middle and then we'd have a championship caliber team. (laughs) And in the process of like trying to sort that out, like you can't afford the rest of the championship caliber team. You're looking around. It's like, okay, well now every unit around this quarterback is worse. Why doesn't the quarterback seem as good as we thought it'd be? Oh, well also the team is worse around them. So they're not notching wins. So I, I just think like the, the, the scary thing for the, for the Niners a little bit is, uh, I think like that is they're in a tough position when it comes to upgrading at that position. And with Trey Lance having been, a bust or just having been so star-crossed that they just don't feel they can bother continuing trying to develop him. Um, you know, it, it's either Brock Purdy or it's like you're praying you get lucky with a mid-round draft pick. Who is Or you back- hope someone shows their, up on free agency. One of their backups is the other Jets bust. Um, uh Not Josh Johnson. Who is the other one? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yeah, I forget about Sam. Because the Sam Jets Darnold. had back to back first dude, round quarterback bust. Jet, Sam Darnold and I then think Zach Sam Wilson. Darnold and Zach Wilson mm-hmm. have merged into the same person for me. I know. I know the same first round white dude <laughs> busted yep. quarterback pick. Um, before Sam, we Sam Darnold is out with mononucleosis, right? <laughs> that's 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 right. that's right. Oh my god, that was a great. Before we uh, get to the questions and, and talk through the, the coming week uh, slate in, in the NFL, do you have any, any thoughts on Coach Prime, Rob Zachney? Uh, I mean, Are you I caught up in enough. Coach Prime mania? Yes. I mean, I, so I'm caught up on it. I'm not caught up in it. Um, okay. So look, my my impressions are definitely be colored by some of the, uh, like, Bomani Jones kind of poisoned the well for me a little bit on uh on on Prime because like when he he made the case uh that like Prime kind of used Missouri as a stepping stone, right? Like that was kind of the uh that was kind of the thing where he was like I'm I'm all in 
on on uh, HBCUs. And then he was like, and by that, I mean, I am going to Colorado. Uh, so I, I, I think there's there, there's a bit of sorry, it was, it was, it was Jackson State. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so like to a degree, I think he's. Like set himself up really well here. Uh, but on the other hand, he appears to be a very good coach. Like this is always the Dion thing, right? You can always point, you can always point to him and be like, man, this guy is a ruthless self-promoter. Like this guy will step over anyone and do anything to get like to grab that next brass ring. But also, you can't say he doesn't deliver. And that appears to be happening in a big way here, where it turns out that like, oh no, this isn't just like <laughs> we put we put Prime on the sideline. We put this like giant personality and one of the one of the, one of the swaggiest guys in American athletic history. It turns out he appears to also be be a great coach. <laughs> and also, his kid appears to be a good ball player. So it's all it's it's weird. Like I think it's it's one of those things where like I, I I'm guess just, it's I'm I'm, yeah. enjo- I'm enjoying how much it's just chaos, right? Like that that's the, like and it's getting me to pay attention to college football. Like I I just, college football is not something I to care program about. Program I never have thought about in my no. life. No, I've heard, like you see you, Caleb Williams and like I've heard of USC. Like I know I I know what that is, even if I have no emotional investment. And so and also these games are so late. Like I I went to like I I was out late on last Saturday, had a final drink with my buddy, and like this game was still going in like the third quarter. I woke up and then they won it all. I mean, and it's just I'm enjoying the chaos. I have no, like, no emotional investment really in it, except that like it's funny because it seems to be causing a lot of fits to college sports, like hype cycles in media in a way that is just at least interesting. Um, so I'm I am uh, I'm rooting for the team. I can't root for the Chicago Bears. No, but I'm rooting for that program. Well, and you know what else is cool is like, look at this. It's a dude from outside like college football aristocracy. Exactly. A guy who like, look at this. This dude did something on the football field and the baseball diamond. This guy like walked the fucking walk. And also the rap on him was always like, he's just too selfish, too undisciplined, too obsessed himself as a celebrity. And football loves culturally boring ass motherfuckers like, like Eberflus. This is why you yes. convince yourself like, this is what we need. This milk toast sack of shit with his hits <laughs> principle. That's what a coach should be. And I do kind of, I, I do kind of like that, that Dion's kind of coming in there and being like, I'm going to get all your recruits. I mean, all of them. It's going to be, cool. they're going to, it's going to be cool to play here. They're going to want to play for me. And like, you can, you know, you got to win. That's the thing. It's what it's like. His swagger is not that different than having a hits principle in that. The reason it works is because you win. And like they've won these like they were supposed to win this previous game. They were like a, you know, a 24 point like they weren't supposed to be TCU. They were not supposed to win those first two games. And like, yeah, that's how you establish like their season is already a victory. If they lose every other game going forward, obviously they're not going to. Um, But it just as a yes, as a like culture shock, I think he's a really fascinating figure because it just goes up against all the stuffiness like can't be friends with your players your players can't be having fun uh and he just really spits in the face of that and he's he's not running a military boot camp for the nfl correct 
Correct. Um, where you got the, which Georgia is, right? Ge- like, come play for Georgia and then go to the NFL, right? Like, that, that's, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like, we all love locker room speeches, even though they mm-hmm. probably mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies have taught us to elevate them really high in terms of like who can give the who can give the Al Pacino any given Sunday speech. <laughs> and it turns out like probably nobody, but also the speech probably doesn't mean anything. Uh, but but we still like it. And in in the in the chat, I think we had with Austin, like we had the video of him doing the locker room speech in the TCU game. Mm-hmm. And then that was juxtaposed with I forget it was I think it was a hard knocks or something. Uh, it was one of the one of the NFL teams, a guy talking about like, and I'm going to fine all of you if you don't live up if you don't like live up to my standards if you don't you got to te- you got to treat this all every aspect of your play here with respect and that means like if you're not here five minutes before practice starts you're getting fined if you don't do, and it's like you got you got Dion there who is like. I believe in you. You got to believe in yourselves and rise to meet the moment you were born. Did for. you see his tweet this morning? No, I didn't. Cause I thought you were just quoting. Uh, oh, uh, oh, maybe it wasn't today. I, th- maybe it's someone that was just, uh, no, yeah. Four hours ago. Coach prime. Rob. Stop saving yourself and give life your all. You're not giving today. All you got. You're not all in. And you're not emptying yourself completely. Let's go, baby, because tomorrow, capital T, ain't promised. But today is here. It's time to go all in now. Hashtag Coach Prime. <laughs> so I'm all like, in, baby. I, Give I, me I a want... desktop daily calendar <laughs> with primisms. I'm ready to go into a sauna and start assigning some motherfucking tasks. Hashtag Coach well, Prime. But you get both of them in there, right? The inspiring, like, believe in yourself speech. And then for no reason whatsoever... Hashtag Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, the other thing, like, just one re- the other thing I kind of adore about this guy is that Prime is a character that is distinct from him. Like, by all accounts, he was a different guy in a baseball locker room. Like, he, he can do the whole, like, all right, time to be Clark Kent. And he can go be Clark Kent. And then he can go back out there and be Superman. And so that's the other part I'm super curious about is like secretly, is he also really great at all the boring administrative attention to detail stuff that goes with being a football coach in a way that like isn't going to be picked up by the cameras, but he's just good at it. Uh, <laughs> this a quote here from first take. Uh, I am where I'm supposed to be. All you recruits out there, baby, you know, I ain't hard to find. Like just so I love it, <laughs> love it. See, that's the shit that I'm all, like, I, 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 all the stuff you're talking about with Bomani, what he was pointing out, like all legit, and yet him doing that while having like, this I'm, face, right now I'm that googling face. how to transfer portal. <laughs> like having that face while saying that, like in some ways it's just more honest. Like, like ah, uh, it's. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, like, I am tickled by it. I, I, I want to see where it goes. And honestly, like, would I burn my house down to get the bears to hire him? Yes, I would at this point. (laughs) Like I would, I would do that. I would be like, did you have somebody who's like, Hey, you seem good at stuff and you're not boring. Rob, can you imagine? Okay. This isn't going to happen, but. Can you imagine if somehow 
the Bears hired him. And part of that was also, but that means you're going to draft my kid. I'd be all in. That would be the most so fucking good. I would be all in. I was like, bro. I know and also Caleb- I booked a deal with Netflix or something <laughs> yeah. to just like follow this team. Yes, I'm, I'm I, I, 100%. Uh, Dion, sir, Here's whatever you need. Hashtag he Coach be, Prime. He might be too expensive to be an NFL coach. Yeah. Like it is it's the money that's gonna be washing around college that I think will be the best payday for him, especially because if he becomes like a recruiting monster, like that's the thing you can't do. That's the thing that doesn't translate to the NFL. Yeah. You can't recruit. There's no the recruiting. NFL. Yeah, you just yeah. you just draft uh, and hope it works out. You can't be like, Oh, my recruiting strategy is vibes. I'm selling vibes. <laughs> it works a little bit. Like sometimes yes. guys will like take a haircut on pay to go play for an organization they like. Um, but you just can't do this, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, and I especially like, look, if he goes on to humble a bunch of the dynasties and like the archetype of coaches that tend to get prioritized in, in college football, I'm all in. Uh, well, we'll, we'll keep an eye out. They play next on Saturday against, the Oregon Ducks, who apparently are are they're also three and zero, probably a better another big game, a better team, yeah. and they play against hey Rob, Saturday September thirtieth eleven a.m. Colorado against USC Caleb Williams and Deion Sanders' son, who I'm sorry I just don't know what his first name is. Sure. Just, there you go. Uh, the two two compelling prospects for the Chicago Bears. We should we should maybe be watching the USC Colorado game. <laughs> our, our future coach and one of our yeah. future quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's run through. Uh, you can sign up over. Uh, you can join now. There's still time. Uh, GridironGames.com. Uh, if you go and check our uh, our social media feeds uh, across uh, Twitter and Blue Sky and Mastodon and Threads, there's a link to sign up for free for our NFL Pick'em Pool. Uh, Rob is currently edging me out. Twenty of thirty-two. I'm eighteen of thirty-two. Um, and you can sign up and, and play with uh, a bunch of the remap. Uh, There's some real sickos in this league, though, who are just like phenomenally good at picking games. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, again, that's why it's it's early enough that you could even join now. And like you pick well, you could do OK. We, uh, f- in first place, we got Fuzzy Assassin uh, with 23 of 32. So that's not that far off, Rob, like three picks. Like it's been an unpredictable slate the first two weeks. Like so I think that is definitely uh, played uh, played a part. But let's look ahead to week three in the NFL, um, Thursday night football, the New York Giants against the San Francisco 49ers. That does seem, my guess is the Giants put up a fight, like maybe they're a little more in rhythm, but especially without Saquon Barkley, I don't know what that team is. And I can see yeah. the 49ers just snuffing them. Um, so I think that's the like Saquon thing is just further evidence. Like, and, and Nick Chubb, like, Running oh, backs need to ride up, man. They you need. Didn't, I didn't they, see the injury, but I heard they it won't show it, and I haven't gone looking. Uh, but it was apparently pretty. Gnarly. They showed it in. So I had the game on. You saw it in live. I, yeah, like well, with it, you can really see it that well, like in the live shot. But then they showed a, a replay of it, like in the stadium, and the stadium was like convulsing, mm. like it was that sort of uh, yeah. like bad injury. That sucks. He's a really fun player. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, at Cleveland, um, I, I, I believe in Vrabel. I, I mean, I think the Browns yeah, are good, I but I, I, I do think Tennessee like maybe edges that edges that one out. Uh, Atlanta at Detroit. That's a weird matchup. I don't I think know. It's what probably to make Detroit. I agree. I, I agree as well. They um, bear like they pro- they probably should have had Seattle. Uh, it was it was close. I, I think they're still a pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans at Green Bay. 
New Orleans that's looks all right, but I, one. I think this is that's maybe the the best team that Green Bay is going to face so far. They are without have been without Aaron Jones, much to the disappointment of my fantasy team. Uh, but they just seem really well coached. Like that's always been my thing. Is like I don't know if Jordan Love is it, but Matt Lafleur is clearly just a really good coach, and so. Um, I, I expect them to win that game. I'm I'm higher in Green Bay than 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 you are, but um, my get my 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 bet would be on Green Bay for that game. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go to New Orleans. Uh, okay. I think that's yeah. Big Dare Car Stand. Denver at Miami. Well, that's just a okay. Yeah, like Miami, I mean, it's gonna be Russell Wilson. Roller. The calls for you to get benched are gonna get pretty loud after that game. Los Angeles at Minnesota. Uh, two uh, early disappointment teams yeah a lot um, riding on this one um i think for both organizations i don't think minnesota is in any danger of like their yeah you think it's a, a loss to the chargers no it's a must win it, like, it is i think it's a kitchen sink game for the chargers like you have to you have to be because minnesota's not bad no but you have to be able to beat them you have yes. like if the chargers are not going to be wasting every single year of uh you know Herbert Justin Prime, Herbert, yeah yeah it, like they got to be able to show something here. And I, I do think uh, Staley, you know, you're coming off the worst playoff meltdown ever. Like nobody believes that you're a uh, you're game day coach. I, yeah, I, I, it's got to be the Chargers. I'm going to pick the Chargers because it has to be or they're fucked. No, I'm picking the Vikings. I, th- I'm, I think Staley's done. I think he might get fired after week three. New England at... New England Patriots at New York Jets. Um, New England. I, yeah, I, I, it's too, it's it sucks that defense is so good, but it's and New England doesn't even look that good. But I think the Jets are. They have more fight against Miami than I was expecting. Um, yeah, and they played the Eagles uh, really well, despite the yeah. Eagles kind of uh, uh, being a little more mid so far. Uh, Buffalo at Washington. Josh Allen had a bad week one. Looks pretty damn good week two. I, I don't think I don't think Washington has the horses to. To keep up with this one, I don't think so either. But I do. I am starting to get the like Farvian feeling from Josh Allen, where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, and who knows what's going to happen this time? We're, we are getting back to he drops back, mm-hmm. and the big roulette wheel begins to spin. <laughs> and that ball goes up, and you hear that ball rattling around the wheel. <laughs> uh Houston at Jacksonville. Houston's bad. I don't know what to make of CJ Stroud yet, but that team's rebuilding, so kind of hard to say. Trevor Lawrence looked bad against the the Chiefs, but his re- receivers also dropped a bunch of red zone passes. So I, I, I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. Give it to Jacksonville. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at That's Baltimore but Ravens. Baltimore. Uh, we don't know at the moment over this recording whether uh, Anthony Richardson, their first round draft pick, who looked pretty damn good in the first two weeks of play, but is like someone has to sit this this man down and tell him you need to stop like going like face forward into a like a red zone tackle because that's what happened and he got concussed and he's in the concussion protocol. He didn't finish the first game because he got just demolished at the re- like he's a he's a running like he is a like big time like barrel through the numbers like running quarterback and it, it, that's also going to get you killed. Which he's gotten he hasn't finished his first two games of his NFL career, which is a bad sign. So I don't know if he's playing or not. Garner Minshew is the the backup there. I think. 
sorry, I Googled Jonathan Taylor just because I wanted to see what the latest was mm-hmm, with him. Mm-hmm. But I was led to this AP AP story. Grievance filed by NFL says players union leaders advised running backs to fake injuries. Hell yes. See, this is folks. This is what happens when you have a little something called a market distortion <laughs> is you start because these guys can't realize the actual value they contribute to the team. Mm-hmm. They're gonna find ways to claw that value back through self-preservation and working less. And like, if you like, dude, I think if you're Jonathan Taylor, I feel I would feel so vindicated right now. As like, look at what is happening to marquee running backs this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. I'm just not like you have to pay me more to risk my career, risk my career like this. Uh, and and by the way, now it is a seller's market for if you're a good running back. There's a lot of teams who are like, boy, we need something back there to take some pressure off quarterback. Like, I think the Colts may end up, I already see some speculation about it following the Chubb injury. Like, do the Colts suddenly decide, well, now wait, we can offload him because there's a there's places that will pay now for what he's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely possible. Uh, I think Kareem Hunt is still a free agent as well, which he was on. Right, he went from the Chiefs to the Browns, so that might be a, a landing spot for him eventually. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go to Baltimore. Also, Lamar Jackson looks awesome yeah. this season. He's one of my favorite players. Um, and all right, Carolina Panthers at Seattle Seahawks. Seattle, Carolina, yeah. Chicago, bad. Yeah, and they're getting injuries starting to pile up. They're, that team's not going to win many games, which is good for us. Uh, Chicago at Kansas City. We've already addressed that. We can just move on. Da- Dallas at Arizona. As as frisky as Arizona has been, this is not. <laughs> no, this is not going to be it. Frisky is uh, the pat on the head. Uh, that we yeah. Give oh, teams that like, oh. Hey, you guys. You guys are a credible football team. Look at you. You're playing oh. football. You're going to win like four games, but you know. But you're you're going to think you're going to win like eight of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, Steelers at Las Vegas Raiders. The 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 Pittsburgh Steelers defense uh, last night on Monday Night Football was unbelievable. Was like fucking like, great. Like T.J. Watt, like already has passed like the all time sack leader. On, like they're just. I don't think Kenny Pickett is in it. It um I'm you know and it's very funny that his backup is Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> the same guy. Yeah, yeah, the same. But sort you know of what? It makes co- your it makes your scheming easy. If Kenny Pickett goes down, just like I think Mitch, that's why they got him. The same, but slightly worse. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but they also have uh, they got some good skill. Play. George Pickens is a is a great uh, wide receiver on that team. I don't. Know, I I don't. I I I believe in the coat overall coaching and like. Ura of the Steelers more than I believe in anything yeah, that's happening 100%. over in Las Vegas. So I, I take the Steelers there. Uh, Monday Night Football to round out the week. Philadelphia Eagles at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think we made Tampa Philly. look good and Philly yeah. is going to is going to beat up on them. And then finally, the Los Angeles Rams at the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, boy. I uh, there is going to be some real panic in Cincinnati. Let me tell you if, something about let me tell you about a thing called momentum, my friends. I think the Rams came out of that 49ers loss feeling like they won because they beat the shit out of their like division rival that has bullied them for like the last couple of years. And yeah, they lost, but they lost because they don't have the players. Like if that team was a little more talented, they'd probably steal that win. And so Burrow has looked terrible. This team is not in any rhythm. 
I love Joe Burrow. He's like one of my favorite players in the league, but I think I think this is one of those like if you're trying to tilt the scales in a pick'em league, I think I'm going with the Rams. I think I'm going with the Rams. I'm going with the surprise Monday night Sean McVay coaching his ass off upset. So I think that's I think that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I don't know what I feel about the overlapping doubleheader on Monday night. I th- it's a schedule quirk. I think it ends after this week um, yeah. and then goes back to to one game. I mean, it is kind of. It was cool. I don't pay Looking. for a Sunday ticket and yeah. all that stuff, but they, they like on the Monday night game on YouTube TV, they let you do multi-view. And so you can have both games on and then you can just move the cursor between the two audio sources. Yeah. Like, I, that's I, cool. fortunately my neighbor bought like Red Zone Sunday ticket. So like I can just go over there to watch some of that stuff at, at his place, but it is like the interfaces. Is really neat. The four boxes you can move the audio between. Like it's it's a slick setup. Um, you at least get like with Directv. I only signed up for it once or twice because it was yeah. the only way to watch I never the Bears felt games. Good about it. it was terrible. It was a terrible service. They had this all. They had this amazing package and just did jack shit with it. And it sounds like at least Google has done right by making that like a compelling service for how much it costs. Um, all right, let's do a quick uh, question or two, and then we'll we'll bounce out of here. Um, this comes in from Matthew. So at the last tw- you can oh also you can write in with the the, the title sports to questions at remapradio.com if you have any for us. I spent the last twenty eight years of my life living in the Milwaukee suburbs. I moved to the Chicago area for work, and I've been here for the last seven. City proper for four years, northern suburbs the last three. I don't think Chicago or the greater Chicago area will ever truly feel like home the way Wisconsin does to me. But I think a big part of that is being a Wisconsin sports fan and having parents slash old friends there. On the other hand, I have coworkers from uh, OKC and Iowa and both instantly seem to click with Chicago and consider themselves Chicagoans. I'm curious how you all think about identity and place. It seems like most of you have all lived in more than one place. How long did it uh, did you have to live somewhere before you felt you belonged? How long do you identify with a place? What does it mean to be from somewhere to you? I feel like we've, we've both bounced around a decent, right? Like, so I go Chicago, uh, San Francisco, LA, uh, San Francisco, and then back yeah. to Chicago. Yeah, it's been uh, Wisconsin, Boston, LA, Boston Burbs. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, God, do I still, do I think of myself as someone from Boston? Kind of still don't in in a weird way. Like I've lived here for a long time. I lived in the in, in the area, uh, but I don't feel that connection with it. And I think part of it is I just don't have both with sports fandoms are such a specific thing. And what I mean by that is a bit like you and I are with the Bears. Uh, you kind of grew up surrounded by a thing and a ton of people around you were into it. And there's just a level of history that you're aware of. And you sort of are steeped in that changes your relationship to the team and changes your relationship to like the vagaries of a season. That's really hard to reproduce. Uh, I can't feel that way about the Patriots. Now, part of it is also in Patriots perennially played kind of boring football, even when they were, you know, the dynasty, they were the least compelling dynasty uh, <laughs> in in sports history. But I also but even even the Red Sox, who who are more compelling. It's still just like, no, these waters are really deep. And there's some people who spent their lives in them and have this relationship with the team. And I'm like, ah, eh, socks are on. And that's kind of it. Uh, yeah. 
And I, I it, it takes a long time to have the, in a weird way, kind of being an expat from Chicago makes me more into Chicago sports. And I feel more strongly that I'm from Chicago, even though it's a place now I've only lived for, you know, maybe less than half my life. Yeah, I'd say the closest I got to, like, I spent a long time in San Francisco, and that's where, like, my wife met, like, her best friend. Like, we have, like, we had a real foothold out there. Like, it does feel like our second home. It's where, like, we both established our careers, and it's, like, stuff that we, we left Chicago to, like, much like you, grew up in roughly the same place for a long time. Like, so much of my identity is wrapped up there. That it became difficult to separate my me from that identity of all that stuff growing up. And that when I look back on it in San Francisco, it's like, oh, well, that's where I made a life for myself. Like, I went there, and that's where I got myself a career. Like, you know, my girlfriend became my wife. Like, met lifelong friends. Like, I always feel like I kind of go to a home away from home when I go to San Francisco because of how much we spent almost a decade there. Like, we had a lot of personal history in our lives wrapped up like nearly a fourth of my life was in that city. And that never really translated to me becoming a fan of the teams, but I was there long enough that I allowed myself to root for them. Like I was there during like the beginning of the Steph Curry era and would root actively for the golden state warriors, like in the playoffs and like be excited when they would like win a championship. Like I never converted, but like, I also went to Giants games all the times. One, because that's one of the coolest fucking stadiums yep. in the United States because it's right on the water uh, and you can walk to it right from downtown. It's just incredible. It's such a cool stadium to go to. And they were really that, – that team has been very good the last 15 years. Like, And I had lived out there when the team was – like regularly going to World Series and, and 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 like and competitive in the playoffs. So I allowed myself, especially during those eras when like the Cubs were bad, the Bears were bad. Like it wasn't a conversion as much as like I'm here. It's fun to feed off the energy. In yeah. the same way, like growing up, what becomes legacy in history is the energy of other people around you excited for a thing, and then you adopt it. I allowed myself to adopt those things temporarily, like as a costume, like when I was out there, it's like, well, I'm here. It would be more fun to like root for this team that my friend is really into than to not. And it's not as though I've like left the other team behind. It's just, there's nothing for me here. <laughs> like like yep. there's nothing to root for. So rather than just being completely uh, indifferent, it's like, because I was surrounded by super fans in a different city. It's like, well then I'll just, I'll just go. I'll, I'll be happy for them and also cheer with them. Even though when I move back to Chicago, I, you know, then I'm just surrounded by all these people again. So I just, I just convert back to my, my old shell. Uh, let's see. Let's do one last one here. Hey, sports rappers. This comes from Alex. Uh, I'm a lap sports fan, by which I mean, I know enough from my past to watch any of the major pro sports to follow a game and understand the rules, but to have not watched any uh, and years outside of a social event. This serves me well enough for water cooler talk, leveraging comments I've seen on social media and news headlines in order to nod along sagely while others actually talk about some or another sporting event. Now I regularly walk my daughter to her elementary school many mornings where the parents gather to wait for the teachers to collect the lined up kids for the day. Uh, on one such morning this past spring, the kids were in a frenzy because someone, quote, famous showed up at the second grade basketball game slash practice the prior weekend. 
The famous person was there because their son was participating in said game slash practice, which had not happened before. One of the parents relate, uh, related uh, how the kids were excited to compete against the famous person's son, but generally were good about letting them, both parent and son, fit in like regular attendees. Nothing about the conversation clued me into why the famous person was famous. As the teacher finally let her children inside for class, I accidentally outed myself for the lack of sportsness by asking, so who is Jason Tatum? <laughs> then I learned that he is indeed the star Celtics player, as any self-respecting hometown fan would know. So my question to you, have you ever had a surprise encounter with a famous person where you did not realize the significance of how others would view said encounter or somehow accidentally expose your lack of knowledge on a subject, sports or otherwise, where you played along to fit in? Uh, from Alex. That's a great story. I was trying to think. I mean, I, I can't think of one where I've like really shown my my ass, but. Like, as I've relayed stories on this podcast before, like, I grew up immersed in NFL culture because of my dad's work and would be regularly introduced to people that I now know to be famous. And, like, it was just, you know, (laughs) like, my dad making me shake the hand of whoever. Like, I can't even pull names out of my, out of my, out of my hat. Um, and yet, if I knew what I now, like if I knew then what I know now, like you dumbass, like that was an opportunity to talk to like an NFL legend, and you just could not get <laughs> less of a shit. I encountered this to a small uh, degree with um, my um, my mom was going through my dad's stuff uh, in in the basement, like all this like old NFL memorabilia, and she was like, "Hey, doing some cleaning." Should I donate this stuff? And like, I was like, well, let me see what it is. Like, is there like emotional attachments or stuff my brother might want? And it's just like stacks and stacks of signed like equipment, like jerseys and helmet, like, like, like a, a John Elway, like 49ers, like helmet, just sitting there, just like in the basement. That's like, mom, okay. Like, no, you like, yes, <laughs> you, can't, you don't donate that. I was like, don't donate it. Like, I like leave it here. Let me talk to my, let, let my brother come through and see what he wants. I will take the rest. I'm not going to sell it. But like, if you want the space, I will find places to put that in. Create a little in, football shrine. In my house. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything about this resonate for, for you? Any, anything, any stories come to mind? No, I never had the, I never had the like, oh, I just had no idea who that person was uh, moment. I don't think, um, but yeah, it's it, it's very funny to think about just like there's someone like legitimately like internationally famous even uh, <laughs> and you're just like, no idea. Yeah, it's really good. If other people have had a similar experience, please write in with your I do. I will say uh, it's in the same universe, but like. Well, you lived in L.A. I don't know if this was your uh, impression or based on like what neighborhoods you lived in, but we lived uh near like the silver lake like los Feliz area like in our in our second year there and there's there's just a lot of celebrities that own like homes there like people who don't own homes in the mountains but like there's a suburban vibe over there to the point where like you would just go to lunch and you would just see famous people and you had to just kind of get used to it where it's like you can't you couldn't gawk because they're just having brunch and happen to be two tables over you uh, colin hanks had a house in our area. And when I would walk my dog, sometimes I would like just wave. I love you in Roswell. 
not in like a not in like a you're famous but just like being friendly to someone as we're both walking dogs and i was like okay that's just a that's just a normal thing did you did you encounter any of that when you when you lived in la no you know the the funny thing is uh so i like i was in mid wilshire like you didn't see anybody yeah. uh yeah. there yeah that's true uh so it was it, it was Wait, where it were was you in mid wilshire pardon because we lived in mid wilshire where were you in relation to the tar pits uh i do so i was not far i was over on san vicente Ow. we lived literally a kitty corner from the 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 tar pits yeah i know the uh, tower like you were you those towers yeah. were like two blocks north from my house yeah, yeah uh so funny. yeah it was no time at all before you that. that's so funny wow um yeah and that is an area where there's there's a lot of like suburbanish houses but they're not owned by celebrities um they're probably owned by like agents and things like that um that's gonna do it for uh the podcast in the in the meantime uh you can follow remap uh on twitter uh at remap radio also where we cross post across blue sky and mastodon and threads you can follow us on whichever platform you feel comfortable with uh you can uh, watch our streams on twitch at twitch.tv slash remap radio see archives at youtube at youtube.com uh, slash at remap radio uh this episode is ad free if you're subscribing over at remapradio.com we're running this whole thing ourselves now um and uh so you know do you like me want rob to sit down and pick a weekend to go to the bears game so we can tailgate yes i think we should all be demanding rob to make these decisions because i don't think you're going to do the october one it's probably getting too close i need to make a worse financial decision than some of the shit i did at disney I need to waste <laughs> yet more. Just do we set. not? Do we not have the equivalent? Uh, 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 come on, our expense. That's true. The bears, be the bears to, are real bad. I think you we are, might be. You, you are paying like hundreds in travel and tickets for what will be a dog shit experience. We might be able to make the the company uh, expenses work that one out. We'll see. But if you if you want something like that to happen, we'll see some pictures and photos of Rob and I. Uh, Standing next to the Chicago Bears ambulance in the South parking lot, uh, then uh, sign up at remapradio.com. Uh, you can uh, follow everything they do again over at remapradio.com. Uh, until next time, uh, fuck capitalism. I don't know. I guess bear down. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even get it out. I can't even get it out. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs>